You know, Tony, you really ought to smile more often. Sure. Win friends and charm snakes, huh? That's just what I wanted to talk to you about. You're suspicious of everybody. You act like the whole world's your enemy the way you flare up. Oh, uh, people bug me. That's right. Hide behind jive talk. People bug you. Well, people bug me, too. But I don't go around clouding everybody. Monsters and maniacs Creatures and ghosts What type of horrors will be your show? What's up, everybody, and welcome to the HorrorCast. This is episode number 44. I'm your host this evening, Walshy, recording from Pittston, Pennsylvania. And let me just say thanks for myself, for all the listeners. Uh, we were on such a long hiatus, especially, you know, me. I'm always pull, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Had a lot going on. Uh, so it's been even longer that I've even been in this seat, but I am so glad to be back. I'm excited to be recording again. I mean, what better thing should I be doing after recovering from an operation? This is pretty much what I want to be doing. So thank you for hanging in there. Uh, well, now let's get everybody in here. Let's start off with the prettiest of the bunch here and bring in YouTube's own from Los Angeles, horror gal Susan. Hello, Susan. Hey, Walshy. So happy that you're okay after your surgery. So happy to be back. You and I, I feel like my weird mojo of crazy, horrible things happening rubbed off on you or something. So yeah, yep. um, really happy to be back. Hopefully this and we're all here tonight. So maybe this is like going to spur everything in the positive direction for good stuff going forward. And we're going to talk about some really fun movies. So I'm super excited. Yeah, totally agree. I'm so glad you're back with us, too. Okay, guys, next, the engine of the horror cast from Maryland. Needs no introduction, really. Mark Nato, what is up, brother? Hey, what's up, Walshie? It's good to hear your voice. Good to be back and uh, going to try to get back in the swing of things. Man, it's been a, a crazy four or five months, just a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I'm glad to be back, man. And, and I'm uh, just let the listeners know, hey, life happens, but I... I want a podcast for the next 15, 20 years. You know, I enjoy it, and uh, it, it's uh, it's something that is, uh, um, it's like um, therapy, I guess you would call it, uh, to be here and to be talking uh, with some, some great people about some great movies. So, um, yeah, glad to be back and glad to be pulling into the drive-in. Uh, great picks tonight. I'm glad that you picked those, Walshie. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, me too, man. Okay, next, let's welcome in the brains of the bunch from Connecticut. That's Revenant Vin. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, good to be back with you again. Uh, I don't want to keep repeating whatever else is saying. It's, of course, great to be podcasting again. And we got a couple more people that uh, we have to get to, so I'm just going to keep my hello short. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, hold up. That's not Gosh, all, folks. Vin is so long-winded. <laughs> this, is why, this is why we don't have more episodes, because he just talks and talks and talks. Now they see. Yeah, we still have two more people to bring in here, so let me get them. Now I'm going to have another regular on the horror cast, also from Los Angeles, and involved in many podcasts. Welcome back, Mr. Venom. What's up, dude? 
Greetings and salutations, co-hosts. It's wonderful to hear your voices again. This is almost surreal. It feels like a dream. Um, in the hi- During the hiatus, as Walshy mentioned, I've been keeping myself busy with every podcast that would be willing to have me on, including a couple that I've started myself in the interim. And uh, But it's so great to be back to my absolute favorite podcast. It has been since day one, and I can't imagine a reason it'll ever not be my favorite. So yeah, thank you very much again for having me and it's amazing to be back uh, welcome back jerry thank you sir welcome yes 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 back. <laughs> <laughs> okay finally is a guy i have the privilege to be podcasting with we've talked about it what, what almost two years ago he asked me i said sure and you know uh didn't do that for him so we finally get to sit down together talk and he has been on the show before he will always have a seat warmed up for him on this show. And another cool reason is his perspective on our genre. I want to add that he is a lover of all film genres and is really cool to have almost an outside perspective on our fanatical, mainly horror hobby. So this is the host from just another podcast, Creepy Keith. Welcome back, man. Well, thank you, Walshy. It is a pleasure. I've been sitting here since episode six uh, on Skype, just waiting to talk to you guys. It's been two years ago, <laughs> so I've just been sitting here waiting and waiting and waiting. But uh, I, I thank you for the invite, and it's good to. It's like a podcast family reunion that we got going on right now. So I'm uh, looking forward to this episode. Yeah, man. Glad everybody uh, is. Good to go, ready to go. So let me tell you what this episode is going to be about, as Mark has hinted at. this We're returning to the HorrorCast Drive-In special. So we're right here in the middle of the summer, so it's kind of perfect. And the guys asked me to pick. So it seems like every time I think about drive-in movies, I don't know why, two movies pop into my head. Maybe as that f- famous double bill. And what I picked was I was a teenage werewolf, and we paired it up with the next instant movie uh, they made it within months after i was a teenage frankenstein so since we've been uh away for so long uh mark has even said that our downloads i guess the less podcasts that we do the more listeners we we get so i want to i want to kind of prove this wrong that that's not the best sign for in my head to think about so we're going to try and get on this normal schedule so we figured we'd bring it back for a summer special so let's get right into our next segment. What have you been watching? Uh, okay, Mark, you always watch some uh, interesting stuff, so what is it? Oh, my goodness. Well, let me tell you, I have not watched a ton of stuff uh, because of the, the hiatus and just being so uh, so freaking busy. It's ridiculous. But, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and, and so right now, my I, I am so far behind my 2018 watches. I'm like looking way, way ahead, and there's Mr. Venom. All I see is Mr. Venom's behind. Okay, <laughs> he's so far. He is so far ahead of me. I guarantee it. It um, is a sweet behind, though. It, oh, it's a sweet, sweet tookus. Speak uh-huh. for yourself, it has all brother. All of a sudden, evolved into a completely different podcast, but I'm kind uh, of yes. looking for it. <laughs> the sex cast. A different kind of horror, I think, with these two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The horror cast? Oh no, the horror cast. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Watch out. Let's keep this PG, people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so as far as a 2018 horror watches, 
Um, let's see, what what have I been watching? What the heck have I been watching? Uh, I, I watched a um, a movie called Mohawk. Did you guys? Yeah, see how that? was that? How was, I yeah, saw that trailer. I it. it was good. It was yeah. good. Um, it's different. It's not your typical horror. Uh, I, I'm not going to get way way into it. it I don't think that. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Jerry? I don't think the typical horror fan is going to like it that much. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of consider myself a typical horror fan, and I actually loved it. Uh, I, I fully, admi- I fully agree with you that it's not really straightforward horror. No, you've got some, you've got some drama, you've got some action adventure uh, scenarios too. But I genuinely loved it. Yeah. Um, let's see. I watched. Uh, oh my gosh, what did I watch? Oh, I forget what it was called, but the dude from. Um, the dude from um, Ghost Adventures. Oh, oh is that uh, Zach Death House. Bagans? I don't know if yeah. we, if, Demon, if we Demon have, House. Yeah, if we have Demon talked House, about this before. No. Did we talk about this before? You no, I you watched know, I, it. I, I discussed this on another. You said podcast. I watched it. Why? Why, no. why is it a big deal that I watched it? Is that the one with the, the no, with the because, demon right in the film? Yeah. No, I just heard. I have. I've not seen it. But I heard a lot about it, and apparently he had the house demolished afterwards or something. Yeah, and just took yeah. part of it to his museum or something because he said he didn't want the bad mojo or whatever. Uh, so I was very curious about it to, yeah, to know yeah, if you thought there. it was fake or, you know, if you thought it was, you know, contrived or real or whatever. So I'm just super excited that it's just It's like that's a long, why. long episode of Ghost Adventures. I you know, figured that. Uh, I like it because I like that kind of stuff. So do I, though. Even so though, yeah. even though I think that dude, what's his name, Zach something? Zach Bagans. I, I think he's one of the biggest douchebags I've ever seen in my life. Oh no, he's, he's <laughs> with, the with number that one hairdo douchebag. and everything, and like <laughs> tight shirts. I mean, dude, come on. That's how um, he's known in the world, the yeah, douchebag. So I, I, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that about ninety percent of the stuff that I see on Ghost Adventures is probably fake. Or did you hear that? It said, get out of here. You know, when all it was was like somebody farting or something. I don't know. <laughs> but but it's entertaining to me because I, I let my imagination go. Yeah, dude. And, and sometimes I'll sit in the dark and watch one of those episodes or something like this demon house. And I'll get the hair on the back of my neck, you know. Uh, I agree, man. Just, just <laughs> because of the imagination. So that's what it's good for. Whether I believe that that was if it was staged or you know you know if it's a bunch of malarkey that doesn't matter to me it it just did it give me what i was did looking it, for like a little creep factor yeah it did so it worked for you oh, cool. yeah yeah okay i'm definitely checking that out probably yeah. tomorrow uh, it wasn't i i it wasn't bad i i feel like the average episode of ghost adventures is actually slightly better um, you get a little bit more proof, a little bit more of the, like Mark was saying, the uh, the EVP stuff. I think you get right. more of that in the TV episodes. Okay. Uh, what I did like about Demon House was the um, the reenactments. Uh, yeah. The reenactments I thought were really cool. Yeah, and I will say that there, I do believe there are better episodes of Ghost Adventures. Yes, but absolutely. not all of them. Not all of them. So, so do you, Mark? You recommend uh, as a if you're a fan of that type of stuff, uh, Mr. Venom, you too. If you are a fan of the show and Zach Bagans in general, then yes, I would recommend it. Otherwise, uh, I don't think it's essential viewing. Alrighty, I'm gonna check it out. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm right there with it. It's not essential. It's not essential. Gotcha. Uh, got, got a chance to, and, and this is not a thing, got a chance to finally watch uh, A Quiet Place with my family. <laughs> um, Good family film. Oh, yes. dude, my seven-year-old. Did you ruin them? Seven-year-old seven <laughs> watched it. Uh, they loved it. They loved it. They were, oh, they were terrified. It's they cool, were man. terrified, but they loved it. Um, cool. That, uh, and I really think that is a good starter type horror film. I mean, it's clean. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is just so tense and suspenseful, but it's not too, too scary, you know? Right. Uh, but, man, they loved it. I loved sitting in the living room and watching them, you know, with their uh, their blankets up, you know, over their eyes and peeking. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was fun. So, and really, that's about it. And I just... Uh, I just today picked up, uh, I'm putting in uh, the Redbox machines, uh, Truth or Dare. I yeah. still haven't seen that, so I'm probably going to watch that uh, tonight or tomorrow night or whatever. Um, yeah. I know, I know, eh, but Meh. I still haven't <laughs> seen it. So No, right. it, it's worth watching. Yeah. It's one thing about just, you, Mark. You always give it a shot, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta, always. I got to give it a shot. And uh, Well, that's what I, I love about you. I'm just going to ask for people uh, for their... Um, their good thoughts and their prayers towards me because I've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, have got a, I have got a, my iPad is full right now. It's got, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's got 47 movies. Oh, that's going to burn up on you. On it. No, it's always been good. I always keep it full, but uh, I've just got to keep going through and knocking them down, knocking them off because I've got so many to, um, to catch up. Oh, I did watch one called uh, Bad Apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't yep. watch that. Hated that. And I watched the, one called... Um, the name gave that one away. <laughs> yeah. It should have been called Bad Director. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched one called... Uh, what was it called? Terrible 2. Mm. Have you seen mm. that one? Terrible 2? Yeah. That, that I have not. No. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's anyway. not a movie about my Terrible 2 daughter that drives yeah, me nuts. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. It was like two hours of a toddler screaming on the floor. I'm finally understanding that, that that phrase terrible too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is that uh what you had of interest, that, Mark? That's it. That's it. Okay, brother. Uh, Susan, you don't have that much, right? So what what did you watch lately? No, I don't. Um. Okay. So one of the things I actually I recorded it to watch it later. So I'm not sure where all you can find it right now. But it was called Friday the Thirteenth: The Shocking Truth, and it was about what was basically like a real life Friday the 13th that happened 20 years before and whether or not they think that kind of inspired it. Wow. Um, it was uh, kids camping out in the woods in 1960 and it was really, it was really creepy. It was, it was very cool. It was very informative. And then I have started watching and why can't I even remember the name of it right now as I look for it because I'm such a professional on Netflix um, about the um the Michael Peterson murder where he murdered the staircase. Yeah. The staircase. Thank you. Yes, I started to watch that, and if you're into like true crime and you know trying to figure things out and that sort of thing, I I recommend that so far. I'm not all the way through it, but from what I've seen, I would recommend that also. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's get uh, creepy Keith. Anything you watched lately uh, in the genre at all? 
Well, Mark Nato stole my thunder with The Quiet Place, which, okay. uh, you know, I'm, I'm not like the uh, the horror movie professional like you guys, but uh, I'm going to say that's the best horror movie so far this year. I've just put put that out there. And, cool, and, cool. And then I'm revisiting uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 2. Oh, that's that show. It's such a shame that it's going, but actually... <laughs> Uh, they're not burning it out though either, because it could go the other way after a few more seasons. So, Have you heard, is it going to be a season that... three or no? No, it's canceled. No, it's uh, done. No, no, no. There's a season three. Season yeah, three. No, season, season four. Season four is, is done. No, yeah. It's yeah. it's not happening, but everybody's praying that Netflix or Shutter will pick it up because Ash Williams is in fact uh, my future ex-husband, and he's not Whoa. aware of that. But that's okay. Is that right. Um, yeah, I, I have a little cool. bit of of what you would call a horror crush on Ash Williams. Um, oh. He is a hero. So, yeah, I have an obsession with but that show, and I am so mortified that it's not continuing. I really hope it, it was I such really... a perfect horror fan Ugh, show. It, had it everything. just was. Didn't it he was. say at a, at a convention yep. he was done with I was just going to break your heart, Susan, but he... No, I know. I Look, I follow him on Twitter. Like, oh, okay, cool. I, I'm not saying that I, that I, you know, social media stalk him or anything, but... <laughs> Bruce Campbell, what's going on? I stalk you on social media. Um, Yeah, I saw his tweet, but you know what? Never say never, okay? A lot of people have said, never going to do it again. And then they come back and, you know. throw enough money at him. That's what I said, many talks. Yeah, I mean, I really hope. And, I mean, we know, we already know that he wanted to do it. They wanted to do it. They already had a plan for season four. That was already ready to go. And then because of ratings and poor marketing, if you ask me, they didn't market the third season well enough that a lot of people didn't even realize. So that's probably partly to blame for no season four. But Yeah, I think. A lot of people actually pirated the show, which they actually did. affected Star's subscription yep. numbers. If, if everybody who watched Ash vs. Evil Dead actually subscribed to Star's to watch it, I guarantee it would still be on right now. Yeah, no, no, and, and right. I don't think that it's doing such a disservice if you're a fan. I mean, I pay for Star's. I've paid for Star's for the last however many years now solely for Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. When Come I heard people. that was going to be on, I paid for Star's, and yes. I've been paying for it year-round just so I don't even miss the promos or I don't miss the, you know, each season you know, premiere and that kind of thing. So it's like, come on, a real fan, put your money where your mouth is, you know, Oh, I love, I love this show or whatever. And then, you know, you're buying a bootleg copy. That's not cool. Or you're pirating, you know, downloading it off YouTube or whatever. Don't do that. It's just, it's not cool. People. It's not do cool. What, do what the I official did. horror cast status or stance. Pray for pay for some premium cable. Yeah, or do right. what I did and buy the Blu-ray or DVD. That's one what I. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah I bought the I Blu-rays. Yep. I, I, I bought. I bought the Blu-ray of every. I'm like, where's season three right now? I'm like, yeah. I'm, I got it's, it. Yeah, but the it's, thing is, is if you pirate it, then you wait and you, and you buy the Blu-ray, which is which is still good. They're making money, but the the, I guess the numbers for the show. Yeah, you yeah. have to. Pay, you that. have to. Yeah, you have to pay to watch it when it's on, so that they know whether to keep I think going. The future of all that is yeah, it's I think too, it's, it's going to be mess. all going to uh, to on demand. Pay to put stuff. Pay to play. Yeah. Because yeah. even mm-hmm. Netflix, I didn't even realize this, but Netflix they kind of cancel or keep a show solely based on how many people binge it in in the first like week of release. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. not it not not it's like 
you know, it's lifetime. How many people? Right. No. Boom. Oh, man. Everybody binged all 10 seasons or all 10 episodes of Daredevil. Okay. Greenlit the next season. Okay. But. But word know, of mouth doesn't get around till sometimes happens. Yeah, and and I mean even like I'm a huge I'm a huge Stranger Things fan, but I didn't get to binge watch the entire season right when it came out. You know what I mean? So most people did. Most people did. I mean it was it's an event. Mm -hmm. It's an event. I mean people people call in sick. Yeah. To to watch Stranger Things, and you know they do. Oh yeah. So, yep. but, uh, but no one's gonna, I don't know. Anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> uh, Mr. Venom, what have you seen recently? Oh boy. How much time you got? Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a limit. You got three 30 minutes. seconds. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Brother. Uh, let's see. Okay. Real quick. Um, um, the most recent re- uh, genre release, of course, just came out this past Friday, was The First Purge. Uh, the only thing I'll say about that is that will be the last Purge movie I ever watch. <laughs> okay. Um, before that, I saw a movie that a lot of people are kind of on the fence about whether it's horror or not. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic film involving different gang factions. It's actually called The Domestics. I absolutely love this film. This film had uh, just some amazing human drama in there. Um, Think of Mad Max meets The Warriors meets Book of Eli. That's probably the best description I can give that movie. So yes, awesome. Yes, I loved it. It's it's very violent. Um, You know, it's got cool gangs that dress differently, just like the Warriors. So, I mean, it's got a lot of stuff for a lot of different people. Whether you believe it's horror or not, it's going to be up to the individual. Mm -hmm. I personally believe it is just because of the scenarios that they were dealing with. But aside from that, you know, um, quick question, quick question. Have you seen a a movie called Future World? I have. What is that? Any kind of the similar type feel or? Um, it, it is also a post-apocalyptic film, though I, I, I feel like The Domestics is head and shoulders above that one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to watch one post-apocalyptic film this year, make it The Domestics, at least for the first half of 2018. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, got to see The Endless, which is kind of a spiritual sequel to Resolution from 2012. It's kind of a cosmic horror, Lovecraftian-type Almost like a mystery. I mean, this is another movie that's borderline horror. Some people are saying, yes, it is. Some people are saying it's not. Um, I recommend this film. I, I'm not going to say that I loved it. I had some problems with it here and there. But it's it's a, it's a really interesting and mysterious watch. But, uh, yeah, that, that's another one I recommend. Endless. I, uh, I believe that just came out on Blu-ray and DVD last week. So that should be available to the masses. Um, let's see. Um I watched the latest Lake Placid movie, Garbage. I watched the latest Children of the Corn movie, Garbage. Hot uh, garbage. Hot you, know, you know what? I did see that, <laughs> and that was hot garbage. Hot oh, garbage. Oh. <laughs> I barely finished it. About about a, a, maybe 45 minutes to an hour in, I wanted to give up, but I, I just powered through it. Just but so you I know could what? See. I think it's better than the previous sequel. So. Oh, by far. But yeah, I mean, that, that shows you how bad those movies have gotten. Yeah, yeah, that that franchise has really lost its way, and um, yeah, not good at all. Um, let's see. Before that, 
Um, I got to see this great rape revenge movie, uh, which, <laughs> um, appropriately enough, is called Revenge. It's available on, or it will be available on Shutter sometime in September. It's actually playing in theaters right now in L.A. I got to see it a couple of weeks ago. A really, really good rape revenge movie. They don't, um, the rape scene itself is not utterly uh, gratuitous. You know, it, it's not exceedingly long. There's not like a steady camera shot of, you know, two guys doing awful things to this woman. Um, it's it's very subtle. It's well done. It's one of the better rape revenge movies I've seen in probably a good 10, 15 years. Um, so once that comes out on Shutter, like I said, sometime in September, I believe, check that one out. Great movie. Obviously, I saw Hereditary. I've now seen Hereditary three times. And yes, it is my number one horror film of the year. It edges out um, a quiet place by just the tiniest, tiniest little bit. And it's probably just more because of the art house factor. I genuinely love movies that concentrate on mood and tone and, and cinematography and the soundtrack. Oh my God. The soundtrack to hereditary is amazing. It's so good. I bought it. The only soundtrack I've bought this year. So yeah, uh, if you haven't, checked out hereditary yet it's been out for about a month and a half in theaters please do yourself a favor and see this movie in theaters do not wait for a dvd blu-ray release this needs to be experienced on the big screen with a large audio system so yeah that's hereditary starring tony collette gabriel byrne great little movie check that out before that i saw uh, the latest shutter genre release which was a movie called sequence break um, this one is another one that's it kind of has body horror, Lovecraftian overtones to it. I would say think of think of Tron meets Videodrome is probably the best description I can give this movie. Huh. Um, it, it's obviously based around a video game, a mysterious video game that appears at an arcade one day. So, uh, uh, the technician at the arcade plays it, suddenly starts having visions of like circuits running through his body and like it's very it's a very gross movie it's got a lot of bodily fluids falling all over the place so uh yeah that that's a really good one that's available on shutter so check that out uh another film that's available on shutter this was a, this one's a foreign movie uh this is called mon 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 monsters now this yes. is a movie this is a very hard movie to watch. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the violence or the gore. I'm talking about the bullying. This movie is a case study of bullying in school, in Japanese schools. Um, the, the scenes of bullying are so uncomfortable uh, to the point where our protagonist, yes, you heard me right, our protagonist actually bullies a mentally challenged store clerk to tears. It is such a hard scene to watch, but and that's only one of many scenes. Um, but it is actually a creature feature. There are two very cool vampire slash you know monster type creatures in it. Um, one older, one younger. They're sisters. Um, an amazing little film. Good effects. Uh, it gets right to the gore right away. I mean, you don't have to wait more than like two minutes after the opening credits to get to a nice, juicy gore scene. But like I said, this movie is over two hours long and there is a lot of uncomfortable bullying scenes involved. So be warned going into that one. Yeah, I uh, saw that one, too. I, I believe it's Taiwanese. Is it Taiwanese? I think, okay. I think so. Um, I My issue with that film was that it seemed it was almost like it was supposed to be a horror comedy. But I feel like a lot of the comedy was getting lost in translation. Possibly. Yeah. And it's, some of those scenes just kind of went on a very long time, and I wasn't quite sure exactly what I was supposed to be feeling at those 
in some of those instances. Um, but yeah, it does. It does have a very satisfying ending. I will say that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very, very satisfying. Um, if not a little sad, I mean, the, the sure, end, bittersweet. The very, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. very bittersweet. I mean, it almost brought me to tears. I mean, when a movie can take two bloodthirsty, vicious creatures and actually make them sympathetic characters, the movie did something right. And yeah, so that's a, that's I will a high say that the younger one's screaming got to me. I, I yes. could not, it was irritating. I mean, <laughs> like, oh, oh, I, I was like, please, please shut her up. This is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I got to see the latest Tremors movie. Eh, skip it. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Uh, this one's available on Netflix starring Martin Freeman. It's a zombie film, uh, called cargo. Uh, this is a high recommend for me. This is actually currently in my top five for 2018. Uh, another very emotional gut wrenching type film. The basic story is Martin Freeman and his wife and his, uh, young, very young, like a uh, baby are, uh, you know, uh, trying to survive through this zombie apocalypse, um, this isn't much of a spoiler because it happens in the first 10 minutes, but mom ends up getting bitten and turning, uh, which leaves Martin. F and then she ends up biting Martin Freeman. Um, Martin Freeman then spends the rest of the movie trying to find someone to take care of his child because he knows he's going to turn into, you know, one of those uh, zombies. So he's trying to find someone to care for his child after he turns. And um, another very emotional movie. It's got a very... Um, emotional gut punch of an ending that uh, once again almost brought me to tears so you know if you can bring mr venom to tears you're absolutely doing something right so yeah that's cargo that's available on netflix so high recommend check that one out um and then the last thing i wanted to talk about was um another shutter release called cold hell um, this one's not necessarily a rape revenge movie because there's no rape involved, but it's definitely, um, it, it involves a female protagonist who accidentally witnesses a murder and the murderer sees her, but she doesn't see him. So then obviously he turns his, his attention to her. Uh, the thing is, is that this girl is an absolute badass mixed martial artist. So she, so she can actually take care of herself. She's not a damsel in distress by any stretch of the imagination. And the movie culminates in one of the best action sequences, one-on-one -on -one fight action sequences of the year um, to the point where I stood up in my living room and almost uh, applauded. It, it, it was that, you know, you're cheering for her and it's just an amazing, amazing culmination to that movie. Um, so, yeah, that's probably more uh, of the high quality stuff that I've watched over the last few months. Yeah. So many of those are on my list. They're on my iPad. They're ready to go. Woo. I'm excited. You got me. Busy, 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 busy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm lucky enough to live in L.A. So I get to see everything in theaters and and with yeah. movie pass. I just it, it, movie pass is my best friend. So, yeah, I, I, I basically see everything. It's such a great idea to have that movie pass. Oh, yes, sir. It is, especially out here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I everything goes on out there and it, it really gets under my skin. In Pennsylvania, we get to go like look at rocks and stuff. So there's nothing really <laughs> hey, going on. I, I went to college in Pittsburgh. I know what you're going through. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, that is something that we do take for granted out here, though, you know, I mean, because like I went to see a showing of prom night at midnight and they show horror movies like every other Saturday night at midnight and that kind of thing. It's like, are you kidding me? How cool? Yes. You know, awesome. I can't always I can't always go. But, 
you know, it's really nice. So for people that, you know, and also there are a lot of things that are going on in smaller areas and smaller towns and other states. So, you know, people should check check stuff out because I'm surprised when I see how many cool horror related things are going on in other areas that, you know, you wouldn't expect them to be. <laughs> yeah, you're, you guys are extremely lucky extremely um we get lucky during our halloween season though but anyway yeah. let's keep this going guys uh revan and vin what have you watched recently um well people have already talked on this podcast enough about hereditary uh, i did finally see that in the theater um i'll just echo pretty much what jerry was saying um it was a very impressive film definitely uh towards the top of my list there uh for the year so far um i did also see annihilation uh alex garland's film Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, you know, I, I definitely appreciated that there, the, those of you who've seen it, there's a certain bear scene that I thought was one of the, <laughs> yeah, one of the yes. great, you know, most tense scenes that I've seen this year. Um, and definitely the kind of movie that's going to have you thinking afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. I was really impressed with it. Uh, I saw the lodgers, um, mm-hmm. the Irish film. I think it's one of the dread central presents, uh, releases, Mm-hmm. Um, a very, very gothic film, 1920s. Um, you have this twin brother and sister and in this kind of, you see almost like a decrepit haunted mansion. Um, and there's this kind of outsider in the village who kind of takes a liking to the girl. Uh, but you really see these, these two central characters who end up, um, they are, they're raised to uh, fit certain standards. Um, there are certain things that are expected of them. And when they don't follow through with them, that's when things start going wrong for them. And it's it's very interesting. I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed the Lodgers. Um, one that I just watched the other night uh, is The Devil's Gate. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't want to give too much away. Um, yeah, because, yeah, there is yeah, a total shift there. Yeah, it's it, it there's a, it takes a lot of left turns. Um, mm-hmm. You're not quite sure exactly what kind of movie you're watching, and every 20 minutes it kind of changes on you. Um, but you, there is like, there's this kind of this farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere, um, that's booby trapped and you have a federal agent and a police officer who are trying, who are in search of some missing people and they're trying to go in. And there's a lot of, as I said, a lot of shifts that happen in this film and you'll either kind of like where they go or you don't. Um, but I really liked it. And there were certain creature designs that I really appreciated, um, Mm -hmm. practical. Um, but I, I, I really recommend that one. I really like that one. Um, Another one that I saw was a uh, delirium with mm-hmm. Topher Grace. Uh, a, for a lot of the movies, it's a one man show. Um, he's somebody I mean, in his thirties who is released from a mental institution um, after like 20 years. So he really hasn't had access to anything in the modern world for 20 years. And he gets sent back to his family's mansion just a few days after his father commits suicide. Um, so he is dealing with, uh, tragedy in his past and also he has um he's kind of an unreliable narrator in that he uh he he sees delusions um so he can't tell if what he's seeing is actually haunted or if it's really there and i I thought it was i was really invested in that film i think that the last third of it it drops certain really interesting threads that they were carrying in the first part of the film um but otherwise it's still a pretty decent movie by the end of it Hmm. um winchester finally saw um, with Helen Mirren, uh, kind of a, a haunted house take on the Winchester house. Uh, this movie felt like a, a very big missed opportunity to me. Yeah. Um, not only do you have Helen Mirren, um, and they did a pretty decent job of 
you know, with costume and trying to capture the era. Uh, yeah, I but agree. man, it, that is a film that you should have really felt that house. You know, they, they I think they should have gone the gothic route with that. And they did. Mm-hmm. They went with like yep. a jump scare yep. fest. Um, and man, it, every every second of that movie that went by, I'm like, no, nah, this isn't right. This isn't right. This is not mm-hmm. where it should be going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the house has no personality when it really should. Yeah, it should. It should have been the main character. And oh, then absolutely. I, I it should have like, been like hel- the Overlook Mansion, you know, Overlook Hotel or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And- and Helen Mirren was so underutilized. I mean, she could have really slayed that if they would yeah. have fully used her. I watched that back to back with the Lodgers. Um, so that just kind of reinforced how much of the Gothic we should have seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and the last two I'm just going to mention really quickly because I wasn't that impressed, but they are on streaming. So a lot of people are probably going to be seeing them if they haven't seen them already. Uh, the first one is on Netflix. It's Nails, uh, another Irish film. Uh, woman inside a hospital. Hospital's haunted. Um, that's another one that started off interesting and then just kind of got ridiculous as it went. And another one that got really ridiculous was Downrange um, on Shutter, uh, where yeah, were you surprised that, <laughs> that I'm not? No, like I, I <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually in the minority on this movie. Uh, mo- I understand that most people don't like it. I actually really enjoyed this film. I didn't because I, I was laughing, but I didn't feel like I was supposed to be. No, no. Um, it, it felt like the movie was actually trying to take itself seriously, but there were certain things that were just so ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. especially it, there's certain just one scene where you see a family driving and the guy, there's an adult male sleeping in the passenger seat. The woman's driving. There's a kind of a teenage girl in the back. And, you know, she <laughs> she's trying to wake up the guy when she sees something in the road. And she's like, I think she's saying, Daddy, Daddy, wake up. Like the, yeah. the mother is saying this to the, her husband. And he wakes up. He's like, what is it, mother? I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, you know, do you? <laughs> that's just <laughs> oh, terrible, no. that's terrible writing. It is like it is really bad writing. I and mean, you have to like broadcast who these people are and you can't figure it out, you know, as an audience member. So and that, that whole scene was just hilarious the way it played out. I um, think but, I accepted it more because my parents actually called each other Daddy and Mama. <laughs> if, if i saw my wife's word. mother she would not appreciate um, it. she would outside be very of the bedroom <laughs> yeah. no or... absolutely yeah yeah okay no, i'm not well, like out again. in public see like 10 year old jerry on the couch and you know you hear i call my wife mother just when i want to get a reaction out of her that's about it she gives me a dirty look and i know to stop um but that, that's about it those, those are the films that i was that i've seen recently Okay, awesome. Um, I'm going to just, I guess I'll pick two or three that I've watched recently. Um, mine aren't 2018 movies. What I've been doing is trying to hit my unending stack of Blu-rays in my collection that have not even opened yet. So what I do is I'll grab two or three flicks that aren't open. I'll mix them around without looking, and whatever I land on is what I'm watching. And boy, I got some stinkers that I paid for. I wish I got my money back. <laughs> and one of them is The Boneyard. The Bo- I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Boneyard. It's this 80s flick. Code Red released it on Blu-ray. Um, even the reviews on Amazon were talking so much good about it and how fun of a movie it is. And you guys know I like my stinker movies. I get, I, I, I love stinker movies. Um, but then there's, there's crap movies and the boneyard is crap there is literally a ghost of a giant poodle (laughs) yep yep uh giant poodle this weird old lady that turns into this massive giant with her poodle her pet poodle i don't even know what i watched guys i can't explain i don't even know what i watched and i bought this darn thing 
Wow. Appar- apparently, yes. you either have to have mass amounts of like alcohol or some kind and of. And I don't do that, so it's horrible. Stuff in <laughs> order right. to understand, well, because that sounds pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. We're announcing a big giveaway. <laughs> yeah, that'll be red, 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 red uh, version of uh, the Boneyard. I'm pissed hey. off. I paid for that. A, uh, uh, a contest for Walshy stinkers would actually go over really well. I think <laughs> people would want them. I'm nope. telling you what, it would. It's the type of movie you want to do a commentary on, and everybody's just gonna laugh the whole time from yeah. the acting. This just everything is so horrible. There's maybe not one. We should, maybe we should review it. Maybe we should all have to suffer. <laughs> that's a movie I would pick. That's a movie I I would pick to get a laugh, a good laugh in the show. So you never know if you hear it coming, guys. Be ready. Uh, <laughs> I'm not watching that again. Don't you dare. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, it is just unbelievable. There's it makes no sense. But uh, okay, next was there's this company that's uh, been releasing some pretty cool stuff, um, and it's called MVD. Uh, that's the name of the company, and they just released uh, the Return of Swan thing. And the Return of Swan thing, I guess it's a DC comic, but this is a Jim Wynorski film, and he was famous for back in the day. He's made so many movies, it's countless. And he always did the Rubber Suit Monster movies, which are right up my alley. And um, Swan Thing is the same. It's the same actor that played Swan Thing from uh, Wes Craven Swan Thing, but this one is more of a monster mash, and it's literally like a WWF. A WWE style wrestling match with these creepy looking like uh, HP Lovecraft type monsters. Uh, really fun mashup. But the best part is uh, young Heather Locklear is the star. Oh. Yes, so was that'll she, be a rewatch. Uh, was she by chance uh, busted for DUI? Not at like, this point. Or assaulting <laughs> like, an officer? Uh, not at this point. <laughs> oh, okay. this like a couple of days young, ago? Yeah, I know. She's brutal anymore. <laughs> Uh, but young Heather Locklear, uh, the movie got a couple more points for that. Uh, just a, it's a fun B monster movie. That's it. Um, and the next one I was lucky to grab and I was really excited was to rewatch, uh, Scream Factory's collector's edition of Slither. Finally got to open that up. That is just such a fun monster movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't make them like that anymore. I think that was almost the last great, great monster movie and Scream gave it the right the right release. They they gave it everything. All the special features, the new transfers, beautiful. You know, it's classic. Um, it is. It's it's a modern classic, that film, especially for the uh, rubber monster type movie. So that's the three that I'll mention right now. But I did want to mention, guys, I didn't know where to kind of stick this in uh, on the show. Has anybody seen the newest trailer? I'm so excited for this. Castle Rock? Yes. I just watched it oh, right before uh, we got on together. Yeah. Okay. It looks really uh, good. Yeah, check it out, guys. Uh, they're Dude, tying. Scarsgard look creepy as crap. I mean, yeah, Steve Buscemi like, Jr. He looks creepier <laughs> than he does in his Pennywise outfit. Yeah, man, he looks just like Steve Buscemi. Look at the picture. It is, it is creepy. But they uh, the even showed of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> But um, <laughs> he's actually a good-looking dude, but they really made him look pretty nasty there. Uh, but they showed, like, the Pennywise, and they showed the actor of young Mike Hamlin from the new It. Yeah. yeah and he that. was in that trailer, so I'm wondering if they're going to actually link this up with Warner's uh, It movies. That would be so sweet. Mm-hmm. But they even showed Cujo. All yeah. the references are there. Um, if oh, there was Sissy one Spacek. Sissy Spacek's in it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you could go on and on with references, but if there was one show as, as there's one thing I love more than anything in horror and that's Stephen King, he, he got, uh, he's responsible for my love of horror. And 
this is literally all of it's the greatest hits TV show of Stephen King, guys. So check it out, support it. It's another one of those deals that you're gonna have to. Oh, I forget the network. That's do you guys remember the it's network? Hulu. Hulu. That's it. Hulu's releasing it, and it's coming out pretty soon too. But July great 25th. new trailer. July 25th. That's right. Uh, super excited. Great new trailer for it. So check that out, guys. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna get into while she's collector's crypt real quick. It's been a while. So. What's a collector's crypt without bringing up good old Scream Factory? I've been saying how recently they have just – it seemed like the, the the pot was empty for them, and they were really scraping the, the bottom of the barrel, and it just looked bleak. But I tell you what, boy, did they give themselves a shot in the arm. They broke into the vault of Warner Brothers, which if any collector out there has wanted proper, beautiful releases of movies – Warner was the ones that took their candy and ran. They would never, ever, ever give releases of all their... Uh, there's countless classic movies that have never got the proper release. Well, Scream Factor's been trying for the last five, almost six years now, and always said it's never going to happen. They just won't allow it. Somehow they did it, and they opened that vault. So we are be going to be getting... Uh, I can't even explain how many amazing movies will be coming in collector's editions just to start it off they just in the last two weeks if you're on their facebook it's unbelievable trick-or-treat collector's edition beautiful new artwork michael dougherty is very hands-on in this release creep show there's a warner brothers movie that needs a good release it has a decent blu-ray but that's about it there's nothing else creep show collector's edition uh they're doing this uh super extended release with two um Two beautiful new artworks, a booklet, just like they did for their Nightbreed release, which is still my favorite Scream Factory release. Um, Halloween 2 and 3, uh, Steelbooks with new, uh, real like widescreen looking art. Mm. And the one that blew me away was the NECA, the company I always talk about with their horror figures for uh, you know adult collectors and their uh, Ultimate line. They announced with NECA... Night of the Demons with a figure of uh, Angela. It's unbelievable. You guys got to check it out. Yes. It is unbelievable. So, so I pre-ordered all this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, so, But the main thing is cracking the Warner Brothers vault. And next week at San Diego Comic-Con, every single year, they bring out their big name releases. And they usually announce over 10 movies. Uh, their 10 biggest movies they'll be releasing throughout the year end of the year, uh, beginning of next year, and that's coming up next week, and they announced that there'll be more than 10. So on the next episode, I'll let everybody know. I'll have that list. It's going to be mind-blowing with uh, Warner being open now. So that's about it for Walsh's Collector's Crypt. Kind of cool. I just had a real quick question. Did anybody get the uh, the Changeling? That's that's not Scream Factory, but... I, I, I pre-ordered ordered that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, thanks to Walshy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, yeah, for telling me about that because I had so much going on Severance. and I was totally out of the loop. And I pre-ordered the limited edition me too. immediately. Me but too. when it's when does it come gone. out? I forget. Uh, it's not for a little bit, but um. Yeah, it's still it, a what little a, bit. What an addition, though. I mean, super uh, excited. Yeah, Severin is Severin is incredible. They don't get a lot of big titles, but this is one that. I mean, HBO doesn't usually subcontract, so it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, hey, Susan, have you uh, when you go to Monster Palooza, have you ever been to the Severn Films uh, uh, the booth, booth that they have there? No, I, I, you know. 
Oh, I ended no, up spending about two hundred dollars. That's me too. I just yep. did it at, at uh, yeah. a convention I went to a couple months ago. Yeah, they're great. They're really nice people too. Yes, yeah, they support are. them. Support them. They're a small company releasing great stuff. Mm-hmm. All righty. Yeah, the changing. That's a big deal though. Okay, guys, what do you say? Can we kind of start to get into the reviews here? Let's do it. Hey, let's take a break. And uh, this is a little word from uh, from the uh, the snack bar over at the drive-in theater, the horror cast drive-in. Uh, and then when we get back, Walshy, let's start with the, the review, the double feature, baby. Hey, Mom. Yes, you. Why fuss and fret about dinner? Why not have it right here? Yes, this drive-in offers everyone in the family a real picnic treat for dinner. We've got delicious sandwiches with all the trimmings and your other dinner favorites, plus whatever you want to drink, hot or cold. Come early before the show starts, or eat while you're being entertained, or at intermission time. So why fuss? Give your family a tasty dinner at this drive-in. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Help me, doctor, please! I know they're going to catch me, but don't let anyone see me like that. Please, doctor, help me! Michael Landon in a powerful performance as the boy possessed. Yvonne Lyon appealing as the girl who loves him. Whit Bissell unforgettable as the scientist maddened by the mystery of the werewolf. And Tony Marshall, a tough, friendly enemy. These are the official pictures? Yes, Chief. Slash on either side of the throat. You got any theories? Fangs. He was killed with... by a werewolf. Panic penetrates every home. When this strange, unknown killer hits town taking hold of the teenage crowd, coloring their practical jokes with hysterical humor that'll make you fall flat on your face with horror. No. Remember how wonderful it was when you sprang and suddenly dug in with your fangs, a soft throat, a gush of warm blood? No! No! Nothing you've ever seen has such blood-chilling savagery. Nothing you've ever conceived packs such a spine-tingling jolt. This high school boy, a teenage werewolf, a constant threat of claw-ripping attack to everyone, to the brave and the beautiful. Okay, since we are doing kind of a teenage theme here, Vin has some stuff to say. Vin, take it over, brother. Oh, I just thought that we should look at it a little bit more closely into a 50s teen culture. Um, we talked about it a little bit when we did uh, The Blob last summer, um, but I, I think it's worth putting these films that we're going to be watching kind of into a little bit more context, um, you know, because these are really one of the first horror films to actually deal with teens, um, yeah. especially as the protagonists, mm-hmm. um, you know, so teenager as a concept, it, it's it's hard to kind of believe, but 
it didn't really exist at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, it really wasn't until 1920s people started kind of getting this this notion. Uh, it was a more solidified that there was an independent stage in between childhood and adulthood. And then in the 1930s and 40s, this teenage kind of thing started getting bandied around. And then really in the 50s is when teenager as a concept, as a word, really became more solidified. That's when it really started being used. And since the 1940s, companies were really kind of discovering that these emerging teens, right, the baby boomers, uh, you know, as they would become teens in the 50s, that they were really a viable new market with, and they had money to spend. Um, you know, this was a booming post-war economy in the 1950s. This generation of teens was the largest single generation up to that point in American history. Um, and they had wants uh, that were much different than adults. Um, a lot of this was actually created by the automobile. Um, we kind of talked about drive-ins last summer. Yeah. But another aspect of the automobile um the automobile really helped to kind of create what we considered the teenager. You know, if you were if you were in your teens in the early 20th century and you went to school, it was especially if you were in a more rural area or even suburbs, there was still a good likelihood that you were walking to a one-room schoolhouse and learning with kids of various ages. But then with the automobile, you start having the bus. So now they can start making schools for certain age groups and the bus can go and bring them there. So really kind of in the 20th century for the first time you had you know kids in their teen years who were now meeting up with other kids their age and they were discovering similarities they started forming their own subculture and as they started getting cars especially in the 1950s it gave them it gave these teens the ability to meet and date kind of beyond the prying eyes of adults so this completely changed dating you know before the automobile if you were dating you the boy, I mean, this is the way it was supposed to work. We know that this didn't always work this way. Um, but, you know, a boy would kind of go to a girl's house and he introduce himself to the family. Maybe he'd end up having dinner with them. And then they'd go on a walk that was had a chaperone with them. You know, and then if enough time went by, they'd, they'd take a walk alone through town. You know, and this was, it was easier for adults to control this sort of thing. Now, this didn't always happen. We know that there was still, you know, pregnancy out of wedlock and everything else, but this is kind of the way things were supposed to be going. But More once the, the norm, car yeah. came about, yeah, once the car came about, this completely changed. All right. And now these teens can get in cars. They can go to make out point, whatever, you know, they're going to the drive in, they're doing all kinds of stuff there. Um, so this bred at that time, a real fear of juvenile delinquency. People really felt like they were losing control of their teens and of their youth. Um, when we did the, uh, Tales from the Crypt episode. I talked about, you know, 1954, you had the publication of Seduction of the Innocent, which attacked horror comics, saying that these comics, these horror things, are they're destroying kids and they're causing juvenile delinquency. We had movies like 1955's Blackboard Jungle. Uh, that same year, Rebel Without a Cause came out. Um, rock and don't Roll. Forget, don't, was, yeah, don't forget Rock and Roll. <laughs> yeah, Rock and Roll. Huge. I mean, this was, you know, the fear of, especially of race mixing, right? You, you had, in 1950s media... You know, most movies and TV, they were reinforcing conformity and an adherence to religious faith, patriotism, obedience to authority. You know, and teens ended up adopting a subculture of rebellion against these adult expectations and authority. And rock and roll was completely be behind that. You know, it was the driving force. It was, you know, it's a music that began as a combination of kind of white country and black r rhythm and blues. 
Um, Alan Friedman, he's famously um, the kind of radio DJ who uh, you know popularized uh, rock and roll. He played it on the radio. He also gave it its name. Musicians in rock and roll, they'd sing about young love, sex. It had a streak of rebellion within it. You had Elvis's swiveling hips, you know, which freaked out adults, you know, and made it on when he went on a um, Ed Sullivan. Yeah, Ed Sullivan show, right? Yeah, the you know, at least the second time he went on, they had to you know only film him from the waist from up. The, from the yeah. waist up. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And rock and roll would really help to start tearing down color barriers. You know, and at least in popular culture, you had white youths who were seeking out African-American musicians like Chuck Berry and Little Richard. You know, I mean, you it's it's hard for the 1950s to get more kind of scandalous or, you know, rebellious than almost like a Little Richard concert. You know, I mean, how kind of the androgyny and the, you know, the, the things he was singing about. Um, now, of course, it didn't just didn't, you know, stop racism. Uh, but it, it was kind of the beginning of the stuff that we would see in the 1960s. You know, and it's. You know, it's worth noting that even though the 1950s were certainly a conformist age, you know, we have to we have to remember because I'm not saying I'm not saying people necessarily who are co-hosting right now on this podcast, but I run into a lot of people who seem to have kind of false notions in the 1950s because it's all from what they see from television. Mm-hmm. Like if they watch Leave It to Beaver, they think that that's actually the way that the 50s were, you know. But like Leave It to Beaver was a show that wasn't allowed to show a toilet. You know, they, that, that pilot of that episode, they weren't allowed to air it because it showed them trying to flush something down a toilet. All right. It's, it's hard to believe that when Psycho came out in 1960, yeah, you had the famous shower scene. But one of the things that was so scandalous about the film was that it showed a bathroom. All right. That was something that you did not see on television at all. You know, and even in movies hardly ever showed that. Kind I of never thing. even thought about that. Yeah. I mean, wow. first, first toilet flush in uh, film history. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? Oh my gosh! You know, and you look at I Love Lucy. You know, you have you're sleeping in a separate bed, but little Ricky had to come from somewhere, right? (laughs) And we know the real story behind all of that is that you know Desi was a womanizer with all kinds of affairs. You know, it kind of reminds me of you think of uh like Back to the Future, right? In a lot of ways, Back to the Future when he goes when Marty McFly goes back in time, it's kind of an idealized 1950s, but they're still kind of showing you that you know, especially with Lorraine when she's the mother. In the 1980s, she said, oh, we never went in cars with boys. You know, we never asked out boys. And then Marty finds out that, no, she did all that stuff and more. You know, she was a wild child. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like this this notion that we have of the 1950s is, yeah, there's a lot of conformity. There's so much rebellion going on. You know, in 1947, you had the Kinsey Report, which was all about sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it really showed that people were far more sexually pliable and promiscuous than they were willing to admit publicly. You know, Playboy started in this decade. Uh, Allen Ginsberg's Howl was published in 1954, and it contained references to illicit drugs and sexual practices, both heterosexual and homosexual. Very explicit. You know, Vladimir Nobukov's Lolita, one of my favorite novels, came out in 1955. and deals with a pedophile. You know, but it became the first book since Gone with the Wind at that time to sell 100,000 copies in its first three weeks. And then you had EC Comics, you know, the horror comics of that, which unfortunately got shut down by the comic code. But then that brings us to horror because horror is implicitly nonconformist you know in order to have conformity you need to have an adherence to what the consensus deems normal and horror by its very nature deals with the abnormal so by its nature it's nonconformist and young people would glom onto horror and not just horror it was the stuff that came out from well, the films are we watching from aip right american international pictures they knew what these teens wanted, and they didn't want the stuff that their parents wanted. They wanted sex. They wanted gore. They wanted excitement. 
you yeah. know, and yep. they didn't mind trash. Like it's the, not the, it, Sorry, go ahead. The Arkoff formula. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the Arkoff formula um it, it's yeah, it, it stood for um action, revolution, killing, oratory, fantasy and fornication. You're the best, Vin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, th- this is, this is what, this is what AIP was looking for. They also have what was called the Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. All right. This is their strategy. Right. And what they would say was a younger child will watch anything an older child will watch. And an older child will not watch anything a younger child will watch. A girl will watch anything a boy will watch, but a boy will not watch anything a girl will watch. Therefore, if you want to catch the greatest audience, you have to zero in on the 19 year old male. That's so literally it. <laughs> that's who they were looking at. Yep. And that's what they offered them. And they knew that, you know, the adults were at home watching television. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to the theater. It was the mm-hmm. teens who were going to the theater. So they actually yeah. were one of the first companies to have um, like focus groups and they would ask teens what they wanted. And that's what they gave them. That was the you know? demographic. Yeah. Yeah. And Roger Corman got a start in this. Um, so many. So many. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> and you know, Roger Corman's films from 1950s are mostly pretty terrible. Um, but he was almost making parodies of horror films yeah. and others were making bad horror films and you couldn't always tell the parodies from the bad horror films. Yep. Um, but young people in the 1950s, you know, I think other people would watch these films in the 1950s and they think that, you know, these audiences were so naive that they thought this stuff was great or this is great filmmaking. No, they recognized when it was trash. They knew when it was bad, but they liked it that way. You know, I remember, uh, right. I remember hearing something with, um, um, uh, Crap, I'm blanking for a second here. Uh, it happens. Yeah, uh, Pink Flamingos, um, who... Why am John I, why Waters? I, John Waters, yes, sorry. I, mm-hmm. I totally blanked on his name. But I remember uh, John Waters talking about watching um, The Tingler in the theater when he was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, he, he talks about, you know, seeing that, that you know, pathetic-looking puppet basically being dragged around by a string, you know, <laughs> and, and how they howled in the audience with laughter. And he said it didn't make them hate the movie. It made them love it even more. You right. know, they just love this stuff. And it became a language to see this kind of trash cinema and these bad movies. And it's okay to call these movies bad because they recognized they were bad back then. And that's one of the reasons that they loved them so much because it was like a teen language. Yeah, it was So, fun. you know, and we have the first movie we're going to be talking about is 1957's I Was a Teenage Werewolf, yep. which I believe is one of the first films to ever even have the word teenager Teenage. in the title. You're right, You dude. know, teenager, right. yeah. So... You know, anyway, I wanted to kind of just kind of give some context for why these films were being created and the kids that were going to see them and what they were kind of expecting out of them. You're the man, Vin. Great stuff, man. You always you always give me different perspectives. You always do. And that answers one of my questions, actually, um, was did these teenagers go to this and actually get horrified or terrified or scared at all? Or were they going and getting the nudge in the side and kind of laughing with it? So you kind of answered that. I think there was both. And I think that you probably had some girls who were maybe feigning being more scared than they were <laughs> <You know? laughs> in the backseat of a car, with, hit, you know, with that the hand so. over their, right. uh, you know, their exactly. brow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Good stuff, brother. All right, guys. Well, with all that, let's get into, as Vin said, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, released in 1957, has a runtime of uh, approximately one hour, 16 minutes, considered drama, drama, fantasy, horror, and it was released in the United States on June 19th, 1957. The director is Gene Fowler, the 
the writer was Herman Cohen, Abin Kindle, and I got two more here. Uh, 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 no, that's it. Herman Cohen and Abin Kindle. That was the both writers, and here's the stars, guys. We got Michael Landon, the heartthrob, as Tony Rivers. We got Yvonne Lime as Arlene Logan. We got Whit Basil as Dr. Alfred Brandon. We got Barney Phillips as Detective Donovan. We got Robert Griffin as the police chief, P.F. Baker. We got, uh, oh, you got to get Pepe in here. Vladimir Sokolov as Pepe the janitor. (laughs) That's it for that. Uh, It it holds a 4.9 out of 10 stars, and that's with a little bit over 2,000 reviews there. I was surprised at that. Yeah, me too. I was super surprised at that. Um, But I'm dying to see what we all think here. So who wants to handle the synopsis? Oh, I'll do it. I'll absolutely do it. Basically, you have uh, Tony, played by Michael Landon, and he is kind of a, a loose cannon, a really over-the-top, <laughs> uh, temperamental, angry outburst. Uh, like the first scene is actually him in a in a pretty knockdown, drag-out fight. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, basically, he's going to flunk out of school and you know, lose all of his friends and everything if he doesn't uh, uh, get some help. So he goes to, you know, after some some prodding from his girlfriend, the very lovely Yvonne Lime. Oh, yes. Who uh, (laughs) was dating Elvis Presley at the filming of this movie. Is that right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, she was in the, uh, she was in Elvis's second movie, Loving You. Nice. And uh, he just kind of dated her from then on. But she was a beautiful woman. Anyway. So he finally goes to this doctor. I guess it was kind of like for hypnotherapy or whatever to try to get his anger under control, figure out what was the problem. Uh, and it just happens to be this guy is a uh, a mad mad doctor, I guess you'd call it, mad doctor job. slash scientist, <laughs> who uh, uses him as a kind of like a guinea pig for this uh, uh, experiment that he's doing to try to get him to go back to like I guess the primal nature, the primal beginnings of man, right? That's right. Am I right there? Yes, you are. Yeah. And, uh, he he in, injects him with the serum and everything while he's under kind of like uh, uh, hypnosis. Kind of like a, yeah, hypnosis. and uh, and it makes him turn into a werewolf and <laughs> yep. kill people. That's and basically, right. what you got is is uh, the second half of this movie is he's on the run and everyone's looking for him. So that's what that's what you got. Yes. I was a teenage werewolf. That's right. Okay. Why, hey, why don't we roll the trailer, man? I was just going to say, let's play that trailer. Roll let's it. Let's do it. Let's roll it. Okay, and we are back. Let's get our first impressions in. I'm dying to hear when, when all you guys heard of this, saw it for the first time. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll start off. Uh, I had a old, old, old VHS of this that my father brought home from somebody he did a job for back in the day. And the reason why this is like the epitome in my mind as drive-in movie, which it is anyway, but on this VHS was both of these films. Uh, I was a teenage uh, werewolf and Frankenstein, and it had the drive-in credits and commercials built right into the VHS. 
so yeah so every time i watched it it was like i was at a drive-in so i really dug that so my first watch was when i was younger i loved it loved the look of the werewolf thought it was so different uh just cool i always been i always dug the 50s americana i always dug that so uh that's my first impressions so uh creepy keith what were your first impressions of i was a teenage werewolf Yep, it was definitely my first time watching it. Uh, Mark was the one that brought it to my attention. I remember seeing pictures of Michael Landon like this, like in old monster books when I was in elementary school and stuff like that. So I was aware of it, but never cool. saw it till, till till now. So yeah, it was a it was a good watch. It was something that everybody should check out in their lifetime. Sweet, sweet. All right, uh, Mark, what were your first impressions? Uh, honestly, had never seen it before. Uh, I had seen a couple clips. Uh, I had seen the thing that I um, associated most with it was that upside down uh, view of the yeah that shot yep uh, from the uh, the gymnast. And um, so I was glad to get to watch it. And uh, always always thought it was more of a, I don't know. I guess I, would, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was I was thinking, is this maybe a comedy? Uh, which it really isn't at all, um, nope. but yeah, it, it was uh, it was definitely uh, something that I would recommend. But we'll talk more about, you know, the reasons why I enjoyed it, and it mm-hmm. does have its shortcomings. Don't get me wrong. Oh sure. This this has a 4.9 out of 10 for a reason, but again, you have to you have to come at this uh, like uh, through the lens of what Vin was talking about, 1950s culture, and you have to look at it as this is a B movie. This movie was shot in seven days for about two thousand dollars. Yeah, really. Okay, um, and it made more than two million. Yeah, did great. Wow. And it was basically because of the drive-in. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was definitely a, a, a good experience watching it, and I actually probably would would buy a nice Blu-ray of this. That's because, something we'll talk about. Yeah, because I think that it's. It, it, its place in movie or especially horror movie history yeah it, it is something that deserves you know, yeah it, it deserves something something yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, very good okay uh susan what were your first impressions well you know i had heard about it and i honestly i could not remember if i saw part of it or all of it when i was younger i i just couldn't remember i mean it all those cheesy B movies, you know, I've seen so many of them because of Elvira and stuff like that. I was like, I just can't remember. But I knew that that he was supposedly in it. And so when I first watched it, I honestly, I actually watched them in reverse order. So I watched, um, I was Teenage Frankenstein and then this one. And so I... I thought this one was remarkably better than the other one. Yes. <laughs> and um and and it really has like that classic B movie quality in every respect whether it's the acting, the pacing, some tension building. I mean, it had a little bit of everything where I mean, we'll talk about it later, but I feel like the other one did did not. Um right. so I I really I mean, for a B movie, I enjoyed it and I was kind of surprised by it that's my initial reaction i guess you would say that i'm i was kind of pleasantly surprised by it for a b movie <laughs> oh very good very good okay let's get vin revan and vin what were your first impressions well i mean one of my thing one of the things that i really think about when i this movie is um i think about how my mother used to love watching michael landon 
So when I grew up, I was watching Little House on the Prairie. Um, my mother used to watch Highway to Heaven religiously. I don't really mean and that pun was not really intended there. <laughs> um, and I, he I thought also, he was going to heaven because yeah. he watched Highway yeah. to Heaven. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think I saw probably every, every episode of that show. Um, and I also remember how heartbroken she was when he died of cancer. Um, mm-hmm. It was around 1992 or so. I was probably around 10. Um, and this was probably really one of the earliest celebrity deaths that I actually really took notice of. Um, I think because Michael Landon was such a fixture on my television screen for pretty much my whole upbringing, it almost kind of felt like a distant uncle had died. Um, I know know that I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. He he was one of the first ones I really took notice of, you know, the next one would probably would have been Kurt Cobain a few years later. And I was obviously kind of a different stage in life. Um, but you know, as a horror fan, I was certainly um, aware that he had been in I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Um, but like Mark, I'd really only seen clips or parts of this film. Um, I could recognize the wolf. You know, I knew that when I saw that image, I knew it was from, you know, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. But this is actually the first time that I I watched it from beginning to end and actually saw the whole thing. And I think my reaction is pretty similar so far to everybody else. I mean, this is um, far from a great movie, um, but it is superior to the next one. Um, and there's definitely uh, some charm here that um, can really kind of kind of kind of get you through the viewing. Okay, very cool, man. We got a lot hey. of good first impressions. What's up, Mark? I do have to make a correction. It's it cost eighty two thousand dollars to make. Oh, okay, uh, $2, okay. Thousand dollars. I'm not sure why I said two thousand, but uh, it did make two two million. Yeah, so. still very and, and impressive. It's, in its first two weeks, two million. So. Yep. yep, it's yep. one of the yep. most profitable films for AIP. Yep. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's get, finally, uh, Mr. Venom in. What were your first impressions? Um, this was not a first-time watch for me, believe it or not, but it might as well have been because I haven't watched it in over 30 years. My father was a big fan of uh, 50s and 60s creature features, so I had a, a early exposure to these films. So I do, Cool dad. Oh, yeah. Um, I do remember some scenes of the movie, but like I said, for the most part, it might as well have been a first-time watch. But, uh, yeah, I genuinely enjoyed this. Um, I feel like this movie really tackled the teenage experience much more than our next film. Our next film barely touched upon teenagers in general other than, you know, the monster himself. But, I mean, this movie, you know, it it definitely gave you a little bit of a taste of – and whether it was a realistic taste or not is, you know, can be argued. But, I mean, at least it gave you a little bit of a taste of teenage high school life in the late 50s and uh i definitely enjoyed it for that aspect and boy did michael landon's hair look swell (laughs) hey i'm not gonna say that uh he's not a good looking guy he's hot he he was a good looking guy (laughs) i've always been astounded by his hair pretty much through his entire life. That yeah. man had a spectacular head of hair. So Great kudos. genetics. <laughs> yes. even, even went gray and still had it, still rocking it. He pulled it Absolutely. off. Yeah. Yeah. I think the teenage where uh, Frankenstein was uh, more of a handsome man. Even the uh, scientist was, he was getting all, you know, gushy over him. Yeah, oh, yeah. teenage Frankenstein, he was, uh, you know, just the um, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get yeah, there because yeah. I can't even I can't even go into it right now. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, I do I do know that a lot of people got their first reference during the uh, 1990s it miniseries. That's what this is the movie they're watching yeah. at the theater, and it of course has the exact teenage werewolf ripoff. And I know a lot of people uh, went to see that. Jacket. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Cool look, cool look. Okay, so let's dig right in. So who's going to start this up? Mark, start it off, brother. 
Well, I mean, I think it's cool that this, like we've said before, was kind of the first, you know, I was a teenage kind of movie. And then they just started cranking them out, man. Uh, teenage Caveman. Uh, I was a teenage doll. Teenage yep. Monster. Teenagers from Outer Space. Uh, I think there was one, I was a teenage zombie. Uh, yes. And, and I think there was another one that... It wasn't called I Was a Teenage, but it was called Blood Something. Blood of Dracula. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it and it was a and it was a didn't have Dracula girl. in it at all. Yeah, yeah, it was a teenage <laughs> girl that was, had a vampire type, a werewolf type vampire. I don't know. I've never seen it, but it just kind of piqued my interest uh, to to look at all those and to see uh, which ones I wanted to see. Um, th- this this movie started out for me. Um, I was kind of impressed with that fight scene. Yeah, double you there. Yeah, yeah, I mean there was some goofy yeah. like you know um, lookaways or whatever. Like you know you see the fist coming right at the at the, the camera <laughs> and you know. But I mean that tag going. Somebody was gonna die. Yeah. In, in that fight. You this know, is right off the bat. Teenagers. First of all, how corny. Rockdale High School. I know that. You know, damn I name. mean, come on. I was like, come on. That's right up there with Riverdale High School. Yeah. You know, Rockdale. But uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, there's my dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he always hops in for a couple of sentences. Yeah. He, he's. Uh, he, he's got he's an opinion team. about this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're talking werewolves. werewolves. So you wanted to. Yeah, he, to, he, uh, he wants to talk about that scene with the German Shepherd, all right? <laughs> yeah, I knew Susan would be crying about that. Excuse me. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it was it was it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, West Side Story there for a second when uh, when the the cops pulled up and you got one one beat cop and one detective cop yep. and they come out and they break the hey come on they now pal snapping their fingers first of all <laughs> why is there cops being called to a teenage fight at a high school don't, back then that's how a, you settled the score you fought no shouldn't there have been a teacher or a principal yeah. there well no there was only seven students in that whole school <laughs> <laughs> no teachers yeah. no principal well no there was okay, okay there was a principal yeah there was a principal <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry but I, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed the movie, and I and I found lots of it to be humorous. Me too. Uh, and and I, and I think that maybe back then it wasn't as funny. But uh, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, this is basically the 1950s version of Teen Wolf. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, moral of the story: uh, Don't trust doctors. Okay, because they could give you a sedative and they could turn you into a werewolf. Um, I think that Michael Landon, I think he is a good actor, and I think that um, my years of watching him on Little House on the Prairie, that's right, I watch Little House on the Prairie, and if anybody has anything to say about it, I'll kick your behind. As long as millions and millions of others, too, so you're not alone. Paul Ingalls, man. Paul Ingalls was the man. But... uh, (laughs) I think he's good, but I think this was a little over the top. Yeah, he was angry at the beginning. I understand (laughs) this guy's mother died, and and uh, I could have told him without going to the doctor. Your issue is you're mad because your mom died. Yeah, Uh, let's let's deal with that, okay? But uh, no one could tell him that because it was 1957, and he was just way. I mean. Nobody, just little things that people would say, and he'd snap at them. Even the girl, 
uh, and I thought it was just, you know, maybe we need to simmer that down a little bit. It's a little bit too much. Um, no, I, I learned Mark, that tough but guys. Mark, but Mark, uh, I felt I felt it was very relatable though. <laughs> like I can I can attest to the fact that the anger was real. I I I felt that. I I was like, wait, that's me. So. I, I mean, I know so? he was overacting. I know he was overacting, but I don't think he was overacting the anger because, yeah, that's pretty much me. Yep. There you go. Yep. <laughs> yep. She throws uh, things in the kitchen and smashes them up against the wall. She uh, a, carton, a carton of milk at the yes. checkout clerk. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, he, I learned that uh, tough guys in the 50s wear khaki pants. Oh, yeah. Yes. And those yes. classic <laughs> tight shirts. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking, when did jeans become popular? Because if I was a, a 1957 badass, I wouldn't be wearing my chinos. Yeah, because what, when did the whole greaser thing start? In the 50s, right? I don't well, know. Well, no, it, jean, jeans, were, jeans were considered working class. And so it really was go. until here, the 1960s <laughs> that teens started wearing them more often. Okay. Ben. Sorry. Well, I'm, it started in the 1880s don't ask with the Levi's if you don't want company. To answer that. <laughs> no rhetorical questions here. Yeah. Yeah. Levi Strauss was born in 1832. <laughs> well, no, I believe, I know, but the answer is in the 1960s, jeans became much more popular. There you I'm go. Just messing with you. The man. whole greaser thing is such not a not till Fonzie, part. right? Not till Fonzie. Oh yeah. Uh, blue jeans work for like mechanics and stuff like that. That's what mostly. Yes. But you know, I, I I just thought it was that was funny. Um, here's a here's a little uh, thing I wanted to say. Sweet bongos. Oh, oh God! Uh, I was all about that. I got bongos sitting here right with me right now. <laughs> you guys want a bongo solo? Keith, I guarantee you, you could play the bongos better than that guy did. And he <laughs> and sing better. better. <laughs> yes. Um, why were there no costumes on Halloween except for the girl in the clown outfit? Yeah, thank dude, you, thank you. I, lost I have that a, you know, as my note. Maybe they didn't have the budget. I didn't know. realize that it was set on Halloween night till I just rewatched it for this review. And that yeah. bumped me out, man, because they could have played that up a little more during those banging parties they were at. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just going back to something you just said, Mark, I think that when Vic is singing that awful song, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe, um, technically so I read bad. somewhere that it is actually the first rock and roll tune used in a horror film. Get the so heck out of here. It's another... Uh, First, yeah, unless, first. It, well, can I tell you? Again, I, the first I read this. To... I haven't seen all the films of the '50s, um, but you know, the, the first uh, the first rock song played in an actual film was 1955's uh, "Rock Around the Clock." I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, in a uh, in Blackboard Jungle. Um, yeah, yeah. It was only two years later, and we got you know finally inside a horror film. Um, yeah, so well, it was this, a very bad song. That really Bill Haley's be, much better choice. But, would that be considered a rock and roll song? I guess it would be a terrible yeah. one. Yeah, like yeah, a oh, gosh, it was terrible. terrible. It's so oh. bad. I wanted to punch my TV. Yeah, no. And, and you know, <laughs> it's uh, the whitest of rock and roll music. <laughs> it is, dude. It's so. I mean, the and lyrics then, didn't fit. I mean, there was no, no. flow to those lyrics. And then they get that doo wop. You they know, probably the, the... wrote it that morning and said, "Here, you're singing yes. this." No, and the, the, time, wasn't the even time was off too. Yeah, dude, it wasn't even doo wop. You guys, they tried at the end to like synchronize, and that's when I was like, "This better be over." And then, and then uh, him and that girl in the clown outfit was dancing, <laughs> yeah. synchronized dancing. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, they're gosh. but they're they're combining genres here. Yeah. yeah. They're taking the yeah. horror genre and they're mixing it with the rock genre because they yeah. had already had, you know, just a, a year or two before this, they had like uh, a rock and roll movie. 
you know, it was all basically like yeah. a musical, like comedy and stuff like that. So yeah, now they're, yeah. they're mixing these genres here. Not very My successful. My question is, but... do you think that played well to the 1957 audience? I guess so. I think it yeah. did, yeah. They probably didn't I cheer. So. But, I mean, you know, they probably was... didn't look at that as like, this is so cheesy and out of place. They were probably like, hey, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, probably snapping think... their fingers. When you think about this film, I think I think one of the things that's novel about this film is that it shows the film through the teen point of view. That's what it's I love about it. It's not trying to get the adult point of view in this at all. The only time we actually it. see the real adult point of view without any teens is when Dr. Brandon is talking about using and manipulating them. Mm-hmm. So this is not a very pro-adult film. And when he actually takes her advice, oh, go see the doctor. You know, go see us. This brings about his downfall. Yeah. Um, you know, Dr. Brandon, he's cold-hearted scientist, and he just wants to sacrifice Tony uh, with no remorse. And I think it looks like Benedict Cumberbatch. I couldn't get that out of my head when I was watching. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, these teens, when they're at the party, they, they make fun of supervised socials. You know, when they're – it shows the teens making out because, you know, Tony has pretty much found this this hideout for them or this place where they can go and party without any kind of adults around. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're, they're making fun of the dances that you would have if adults were there or something. You know, so – I think that the teens who went and saw this film back in 1957, they would have recognized the fact that at least they're trying to show them, oh, <laughs> teens in their natural environment. You know? Yeah, <laughs> um, that was made for I mean, I thought, them. I thought, it, I thought it was cool that they had like a, a clubhouse that they had put together and, you know, that was called the haunted house. It was just an abandoned house. And yeah, exactly. Tony, Tony was the guy that got, you know, got the space. And that's kind of cool, but, you know... I, it was just a little over the top and goofy, like in some parts, like, come on, gang, let's eat, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and the, the tricks yeah. there, I guess they're too old to do trick or treat. So they, they don't go trick or treating. So they, um, they just do tricks. So that was, uh, that was pretty funny. Um, with the, uh, the, the guy falling out of the, the closet with the knife in his back yeah. and, mm, yeah. <laughs> and all that. Um, uh, I, I will say this. I think that um, makeup for 1957 was pretty decent. Oh, like yeah, the, for, uh, especially for such a low budget. Yeah, I liked, I liked the um, the look. I think the the hair on top was a little too bouffant. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he, he definitely did it as soon as he transformed. He went to the yeah, mirror. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a little too, like, you know. But, but a cool take, a really cool take with the, with the mm-hmm. you could tell it's a teenager with the jacket on. And it's yeah. kind of a younger look uh, in the eyes. But the teeth are kind of, you know, the teeth were, I don't know what they based them off. They're that kind darn of jacket. That darn jacket gave him away. If he wasn't wearing that jacket, they would have <laughs> never tried. If he'd have been yeah, naked, sh- no one would have known. Usually, you rip that stuff off when you transform. But oh, you think wait, lots wait, of wait, other teams would be wearing a Letterman jacket. But <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Apparently, he's wait the only one in the school that has a Letterman jacket. Yeah, yeah exactly. not not just the Letterman jacket. But his pants? trousers. His trousers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> his trousers were the same. <laughs> they, they really like. They come to the conclusion of werewolf very quickly. Yes, <laughs> they, they all They're just like, oh, it's werewolf. That's it. We're, uh, if that, if the whole town. The whole town is just convinced school, it's a werewolf, and it's and yeah. it's Tony. <laughs> and it's normal. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't wearing a mask or anything like school, that. He was it would have been. <laughs> it would have been. And my principal was there. It would have been like, what the hell was that? Yeah. You know, and the principal would not have been. Oh, there's that were, damn werewolf. werewolf. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, uh, that say, goes to Pepe, man. Pepe was there. Pepe is the token gypsy. Oh, yeah. that was so awesome. Yep. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> yeah, there's a gypsy janitor. Or <laughs> gypsy the janitor, janitor, you know, Mexican or what, a Honduran, whatever he was. <laughs> but the, the film is, 
Sorry, mean, yeah. It, it, we... This film does a lot of things that are novel. And one of the other things, I mean, it kind of goes back to the janitor a little bit, but the werewolf is not a product of religion or the occult. Like, right. He is a product of science and psychology science. in this. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is actually, you know, when you think about what came before this in the 1950s in America, this is really one of the first returns to gothic horror archetypes that mm-hmm. we've had. You know, I mean, the, the horror of Dracula wasn't released in the U.S. until a couple months later. Um, Universal didn't start showing his gothic horror classics on television until a couple months later. This is really one of the first ones, you know, that, you know, this was a monster that he was not an alien. He wasn't an atomic accident. Um, Yeah, our our main protagonists were not adults. Um, You know, I think it's also one of the first times in the 50s that we see a monster that's sympathetic. Yes. You know, yeah. Aliens and the atomic horrors, they, we had no sympathy for them whatsoever. Yeah, we wanted um, them to burn and die. You're right. Yeah, destroy them. You know, yes. they're, they're almost like faceless monsters. Yeah. Um, but in this one, we actually have one that we're supposed to feel sorry for, you know, right. and relate to. I, I think that that's th- this is this is not something that we saw really much before this in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, it's amazing how much you think it is like once you watch it and you look into it and like the, the things you're bringing up, it's amazing how many things this movie did do. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, when I was sitting there and, and the the doctor was putting him under and counting down and, like, where is he going? I'm, I'm trying to think to myself, what is he trying to do? Oh, it doesn't make and sense then, at all. Yeah, yeah because I didn't. Finally, finally, I remember, remember that movie, the Altered States? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, where they, they try to, the mental regression. Yeah. To get back right. to the primitive, whatever. That kind of makes makes it like he's trying to get him to go back to the primitive state of man but but what does that mean that werewolf was the that's, primitive state I mean, that's I the number one dislike um since when if i knew back in the day that my ancestors were werewolves i've been trying i'd be trying to be uh you know, getting into regression therapy right now just to become one. Hanging out under full uh, moons as much as you yeah. could. <laughs> like, since yeah. when are werewolves just based on our past? Yeah. I don't think and, I, I don't think they were implying that our ancestors were werewolves so no, much as no, we. Yeah, you know, no, just saying. Well, the no, beast. because yeah, what we have, I mean, we have. It, it's kind of confusing because in the very beginning, we, it talks about him like eating raw meat. That's you what know, I was like, just going to say, he, yes. Yeah, he ate raw hamburger apparently the day before, and yeah, his, uh, tells him, that. make sure you cook the lamb chops. Yes. And he, he doesn't even cook them, really. Um, so he's kind of already exhibiting his animalistic tendencies, but we're not actually led to believe afterwards that it's a cause or a symptom of lycanthropy. You know? And he seems to transform into a, wor- uh, a wolf, according to Dr. Brandon's description of a primeval existence. You know, because it's it's when Dr. Brennan is describing this whole thing. This is kind of what makes him change. But you know, Dr. Brennan's talking about him, like, you know, biting into things and blood. And uh, it, it's it really it, it his his motivation for this is completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's basically like, I'm going to save mankind by regressing us so that yes. we don't destroy ourselves. And it people are going to praise me. This makes no it, it is the stupidest master plan. I think <laughs> I've ever, um, yeah, his, but, his forethought was awful. Yeah, it's. <laughs> But whatever, it, it got us to a werewolf. So yeah, and his assistant, his assistant was such a spineless jellyfish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at least well, they tried in both, something in, right? in both movies. But anyway, they uh, tried. It, it was interesting that they did not do any silver bullets. That's yes, that's a big thing. That yeah. just a regular uh, spoiler alert that uh, he is gunned down by just regular guns. So that mm-hmm. was. I mean, it took quite a few shots. Yeah, five or six, I think. Yeah. 
They didn't wait well, for the first also, one to work. So <laughs> <laughs> they also but, uh, they also abandoned the, the the basic lycanthropy trope of you have to be bitten by a werewolf to become a werewolf. Yes, I actually is. I actually appreciated that that this was it's more different. of a science run amok type situation. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, they did and, do uh, a lot different with the uh, lycanthropy. They made their own. They made their own in a way. Their own story. So Absolutely. science has not come out as the good guy in either of these two films. I mean, they're <laughs> no. So, no, no, no. I've got a statement. Something that I learned, and then I want to ask a question, and then somebody else can just, you know. First of all, I learned that jaywalking is bad. <laughs> okay? Very bad. Next time, use the crosswalk, son. I know. And then he <laughs> was watching him do it. He didn't say, no, 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 no. you got to do that right now. I'm, I'll let you do exactly. it this time. <laughs> exactly. Jaywalking kills. And then, uh, I don't know if I said this on air or not, but what the hell is a booby hatch? I, I, <laughs> what is a booby hatch? And why is the guy from Lost in Space talking about a booby hatch? A booby hatch. Yep, yep. Because that's where he came from. I'm waiting for Vin to give us the actual definition here. Uh, Sorry, no. (laughs) Nobody. Vin don't know. I believe. I know those words separately. Yeah, I believe they're just referencing. I know them separately. I believe a booby uh, to my knowledge, I believe a booby, a booby, a booby hatch references. <laughs> a yeah, a booby hatch is a completely different thing than a booby hatch. That's different. It's uh, a sliding I mean, I, cover I, over I, a small I, hatch on a ship. Uh, I, I thought it was just what I had on under my T-shirt, but whatever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that in the 50s and 60s, a booby hatch referenced a mental asylum. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The way they used those wacky words back then. Yeah. I can a mental. This, mental asylum. This seemed like an adult wrong. trying to write teen slang, and <laughs> yeah, not exactly not knowing know what how to going on. <laughs> Actually, I think it's the complete opposite. I think he's using like I think the term was already outdated in the fifties. I'm I'm thinking that is like a turn of the century term. Yeah. Might be. Might I mean, be. Yeah. I think I think the I think that the the song at the beginning. Shouldn't have been eeny, meeny, miny, moe. It should have been the booby hatch. Booby hatch. <laughs> and then it would have been caught on, man. Kids right, would have yeah, been yeah. singing, it's the booby hatch. And, you know, it could have been. Anyway, never mind. Had a damn song back up. Well, I mean, while you're mentioning the slang, though, the guy saying, uh, shake hands because it'll look better on the report and stop that jive talk. <laughs> really? Really? Like I had to stop. I had to hit pause and just take a moment. <laughs> because I w- my jaw was already on the floor. My, uh, yeah, you, uh, I'm not oh, sure okay. that was I'm not sure that was uh, the right vernacular there. I just uh, <laughs> this is the reason that I mentioned. Stuff? earlier on where you know when people watch like 50s television they think that people actually talk like that yeah you know so you have to imagine the cameras going off and people talking nothing like this when the cameras are not rolling (laughs) but but you know all this stuff that we're laughing at that's what made the movie enjoyable exactly Uh, and back uh, then too i'm sure they were laughing at this stuff yeah yeah it it, it was fun I, i thought that it dragged a little bit yeah, some parts um, definitely did for me too. Yeah. Ironically, yeah. I think it really drags after he kills the gymnast girl. Yeah, like, because then he's just happens. running around the woods, like hiding it's, behind bushes, and it's so it's, weird. Yeah. it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. It really is because now you're thinking, okay, he finally transformed. He gets his <laughs> yeah, kill. We're gonna massacre, and, and no, it's yeah. gonna you get crazy. Like, it just keeps going to people talking about him. Then it goes back to him like hiding behind bushes, and like this is really, yeah, <laughs> this is just Michael Landon <laughs> running around the woods for hours, and then you know running like B-roll. You know, yeah, <laughs> they really dropped the ball there after that gymnast kill. Uh, just running around in the woods hiding. It was, oh, yeah, yeah. Did you know that um, 
Did you know that the uh, the girl, the gymnast girl, uh, just a couple months later would be a Playboy playmate? I could, I, uh, yeah, I could definitely see that. Yep, I could yeah. see that. She was, she was a she, hot. She had the cone boobies. <laughs> the fifties cone. The fifties cone boobies. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was a cool um, a cool thing that they did there. The shots uh, when he, because I think it was also kind of um, bringing into play the teenage like lust mm-hmm. you know he was kind of animal attraction to her or whatever and he kind of slunk into the corner you know into the shadow there to just watch her yeah. and what was it with the bells anything the, loud the, like the a dog yeah the hypnotist it, uh, okay. he was gonna well, change every time well yeah, also it was uh when when vic you know blew the trumpet in his ear right, he his automatically ear. started yeah. hitting him Yep. Um, so I yeah, think so that, that, that kind of sets him off. But I think, I, just... you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's something about it being a school bell. Like, this is like kind of like, you know, he's he's this outsider, right? Mm-hmm. He, we've seen these outsider narratives in the 1950s. He says, you know, people people bug me. You know, he has a hard time being around people. Mm-hmm. And then kind of in the second half of the film, it seems like his goal is actually to try and fit in. Yeah, it, you know? it definitely but, is. As he's just kind of checking out this girl and watching her, you know, it's then the school bell rings. And this is kind of like a symbol of authority kind of intruding on him very loudly and unexpectedly all of a sudden right then yeah and maybe maybe that's part of it i don't know but it might yeah that, uh, it might be but uh every every time there was that really loud noise he went from zero to 100 real quick yeah <laughs> real <laughs> quick <to> 100. <laughs> if if uh if if tony was around today they probably would have just given him xanax yeah he'd be yeah. on a, quite a few tranquilizers there's oh yeah no doubt uh anybody else want to talk about something throughout the film I was just distracted that uh, he reminded me of Dave Franco. So I can see Dave Franco <laughs> playing that yeah. part now. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that, that's actually pretty good for the remake. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know who Dave Franco is. I, I James my mind Franco's brother. Yeah, that's what I said. Who was it? James Franco's brother. I know it's James Franco's brother. What's he been in? Uh, uh, if you yep. saw The Disaster Artist, that's his biggest role. Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, but, but highly recommend. Keith it. and I were talking about that movie, <laughs> Disaster Artist. It's a great one. Just the last thing I'll mention about this film is, you know, I, that little tag line that they have at the end. You know, it's not for man to interfere in the ways of God. It just yeah, that seemed like a real nonsense moral that they tacked onto the end. Yeah, just so to kind of appease place. moralizing critics and parents. <laughs> you know, yeah. like oh, we, we have to throw a moral at. It kind of make sure you say that. Yeah, yeah, 1980s where like they pretty much said that you know these these cartoons had to have a message, mm. you know. So you'd have GI Joe just kind of shooting things the whole time, and then also at the very end you'd have this little public service announcement, you know, just to kind of like show like, oh no, we're actually teaching kids things. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like that. It seemed like oh, we got to throw something at the end here just to kind of make parents happy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know what the tagline to this movie was? No. The most amazing motion picture of our time. That's Ooh. there it is. That's a bit of an oversell. Dare you to see the most amazing pictures of our time? There you go. I'm daring you in that one too. I mean, come on now. Come AI, on. classic AIP there. <laughs> you know, I I do wanna I wanna let my uh, male chauvinist pig out a little bit and just give kudos to the casting director because they found some very attractive girls for this movie i don't think there was one unattractive girl in this entire movie and usually 
Oh, usually when you watch like one of these fifties creature features, like the blob or something like that, there'll be one or two exceptional looking girls. And then the rest will be rather average. Every woman in this movie is like exceptional. The gymnast, all the girls at the party, just yep. amazing. Kudos yeah, I, to that casting Something about it. So, and, yeah. and, and hey, I, maybe I should Google really quickly, but didn't, um, and I'm sorry, Mark, what is her name? The the main girl, his girlfriend? Online. Yes. Isn't she the one that became a nun after she did the movie with Elvis and she did like a couple other movies and then she became a nun? I what? swear I, I think that's her. I, I don't swear. know if she did or not. I think she did high school so. Hellcats. I don't well, know. I, about yeah. I know. I know there was like a really pretty woman that was in a movie with Elvis, and like right after that, sometime in like the late fifties or early sixties, she literally went from Elvis movie to the convent, and everybody was talking about it like maybe a year or so ago because the woman is still a nun. Okay. Wow, that's she quite is, a drastic uh, uh, change. I think it's her. She is I'm still living. Google. She's still living. Uh, according to her, one of the most important and rewarding parts of her life is her charity work. Beginning in the 50s, while entertaining U.S. troops in Japan, she and her, and her friend became concerned with the plight of orphans and took the first steps towards founding International Orphans, Inc., um, maintaining and building orphanages in Japan, as well as hospital and the school in Vietnam. Very nun-like. Yeah, so I don't know if she's necessarily a nun. It doesn't look like... Yeah, she's no, got she's, kids. So she's been married. Yeah, and she was married to Don Federson all the way until 1994, till his death. So nuns don't get married, I don't think. No, usually <laughs> not. Usually right, not. It must have been a different one then. I'm yeah. sorry, you guys. I'm gonna mute because my phone is going off. Hold on one second. No, go ahead. Um, all right. Well, what else? Anything else, guys? I think that's, that's it for me. Good. Yeah, just a fun, just a fun watch. You got you. You have to say, when you put these yeah. in, remember B-movie in the back of your head the whole time. Mm-hmm. Remember that. And when you watch it, I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of this flick. Yeah. It's fun, man. It's fun. And it's been referenced countless times, uh, this exact movie. And it's quite amazing how we, I found out how many firsts it's done. Uh, a lot of historical stuff in this film, too, uh, for being just a B-monster movie. Uh, just a yeah. fun romp, man. Yeah. So, so and, uh, go ahead. A creepy Keith has done some facts. It was Dolores Hart was the the lady that was in an Elvis movie. Oh, okay. That's the one. Okay, okay. Yep, and then became a nun. Okay, gotcha. So, but, yeah, definitely uh, definitely worth a watch, and, and it's free to watch on YouTube. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really – but that might mm-hmm. not last much longer because – uh, I'll get into my collector thing, as Mark mentioned. Is I've this been a WB sick. thing? or No, th- I have been – most collectors who wouldn't want this is history this movie especially mm-hmm. driving cinema horror cinema it's history and aip once it folded the rights went over to one of the wives i forget I forget, the name's escaping me but she is brutal and once wait i'm telling you she wants uh to like something like 10 million dollars for the rights of one movie uh, or each movie of these uh, teenage movies, AIP movies, especially the famous ones. And this, out of all of them, is her favorite. So she holds it even closer to her heart and puts a higher price tag. That's the reason we never got the proper release. Everybody's been asking, screaming, all the, everybody, all these companies, just give us a proper release. Um, the, they We're going to buy it. People are going to buy it. I'd yeah. buy it. 
I will buy it. Yeah. I don't understand if she loves this movie so much. Why is she keeping it to herself? Why not money. share it with the masses? She's nuts. She's nuts. She wants well, that the makes money. sense. If it's money, if money's the reason, then yeah, the right. that's yeah. Hollywood, and that makes sense. Well, I mean, she could sell them and make profit off the sales and still make a ton of money, but she wants insane amounts of money for all of these. So it's it's a shame, man. This is one of those things that might get lost over you know the next I don't know couple decades if if us fans don't keep this going. And talk about it. So I'm glad we did uh, get to finally watch these. All right. Yeah, so what do you say, guys? Go ahead. Go ahead, Susan. Oh, I, I was just gonna say because you would think that there would be a part of her that would at least be willing to negotiate for the fact of, like you're saying, carrying on that legacy and keeping these movies yes. alive. And we've been, you know? they've been trying for decades, uh, clearly, and nothing ever came out of it. And we don't know what's gonna happen once she's not around anymore. But it's not a good thought. Uh, so. Uh, let's get into our score of this. Uh, and I am going to be honest. I don't know what score I'm going to give it. I have almost two scores in my head. So I'm going to cheat and go let Vin score it first. <laughs> uh, I think this movie is more interesting as a historical artifact uh, than as entertainment, which is to the test of time. Um, the film was schlock then and it's schlock now. And that's really where the fun lies in watching it. As I said before, teens recognize and love trash aspects of these films when they came out, and we can certainly do so in our time as well. Um, watch it if you're a completist, if you're a lover of schlock, or if you want to understand the impact it had in 1957. But if you're looking for the best of 50s horror that's really stood the test of time, you can you can definitely skip this one. Um, for me, it's a 6 out of 10. Um, I'm glad that I watched it. You know, uh, it, it's I think that it's not terrible. Um, it's not that good. So it's for me, that's pretty middle of the road. Yeah, very good. Okay, uh, Mr. Venom, what do you rate this? I'm actually going to echo Vin's score, 6 out of 10, uh, specifically for the technical aspects of the film. The editing is a little choppy at times. This is not an exceptional soundtrack by any stretch of the imagination. Some of the nighttime scenes are way too dark, and I know they were shooting day for night, but day for night in the 50s looked awful, as opposed to... Teenage mm-hmm. Frankenstein, which we'll talk about next, where they actually did shoot those scenes at night. At night um, yeah. It's all clear and it looks, you know, you can you can see everything that needs to be seen. Whereas, I mean, there were a couple of shots in this film, especially in the woods after the death of the gymnast, where I, it, it was just all black. Like I yeah. literally saw nothing. It was just black. So so mainly for the technical aspects of the movie. And like Vin said, I mean, if you're just a fan of schlocky 50s creature features, then, yeah, this earns a six point uh, oh out of 10 very good yeah that that's another big reason why we need the proper transfer and release of this to mm-hmm. so we can see it a lot better okay uh horror gal what's your score oh sorry my my clock on the wall is going off so i had i had my microphone muted it adds for a little bit of for it, whom it the bell tolls. yeah exactly <laughs> Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher, uh, because I, as we all know, have seen an awful lot of B movies, C movies, D movies, um, (laughs) you name it. So this one, definitely not among the worst that I have seen. Um, as far as that's concerned, I would give it, I honestly, like I was kind of in between seven and seven and a half. So I, I mean, I would say in general about, about seven, Seven out of ten. Seven awesome. out of ten. Well, and I mean, I think people should watch it, and I agree. I mean, historically speaking, it's great. It's if you like B movies. I mean, if you like B movies, I could even go a little bit higher with it. But just for the general horror fan, I'm trying to kind of keep it 
keep it real. The general horror fan who's seen a lot of B movies probably would would be around around there because there's yeah. a lot worse out there. There's a lot better, but it's definitely got its its endearing points to it historically speaking. So it's worth a watch for sure. Well, you know, I'm just going to hop in right after you because I totally agree with everything you just said. And like I said, I kind of have two two scores in my mind. And as a reviewer, uh, it, it's tough. But I'm just going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to go go right with what you did, and that's a seven. Uh, technically, I could give it almost, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'd say like a five and a half. But since this is my type, this is my mojo, man. This is what I love. This is why I love horror, these type of films. And my my adoration for the 50s and 50s culture, at least the way it was represented in these type of movies, um, that's why I give it this type of higher score. Uh, please check it out. 7 out of 10. It's definitely re- recommend. Horror fan, got to watch it. What are you waiting for? Okay. Next, let's go with uh, Creepy Keith. Uh, the only complaint I have against this is uh, the scenes where he's out in the wilderness and he's hiding behind branches and he's very pacifist and uh, non-threatening and the way that he runs. Um, that's my only complaints. And also how hard it was to track this movie down. Like you guys are saying, there's no proper release. Had to watch it on YouTube to, to be able to watch it. But uh, all, all my um, um, compliments and all that are the same as uh, Ben and Jerry's. Awesome. All right. You got a, you got Give a, it a score. You got a number score? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Six. Like I said, I agree with the, the rating that they gave it. Oh, okay. There you go. Very good. All right, Mark Nato. I kind of split the difference between everybody. I give it a six and a half. Uh, it, it really is like a, a five out of ten. It's an average movie. Okay, you agree. Um, but, yeah. But, I mean, for its place in history and and uh, just the, the sheer uh, laughs and, and – things that I got out of it. I mean, it, it, it kept my attention, you know, which a lot of, a lot of movies from the, the fifties do not, <laughs> uh, which we will be talking about here shortly. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. yep. All right. So, th- that's, I, I definitely, I definitely say watch it, but uh, it's, it's not going to be, unless you're like, like Vincent, unless you're a completist, uh, it, it, it's not something that you have to watch, but. You know. Yeah. We're still all around in the same ball, ballpark there. That's everybody's scores, right? Yes, yes sir. Righty. Yeah. So that'll do it for that review. Uh, and we're going to take a quick uh, concession break now. So grab your popcorn and uh, stretch out for a little bit it's while so you're still sitting in those lobby. cars. When the stitches are out, he'll pass for a normal, quite attractive teenager. I want him to know and feel pain. What I create, I must control. Go on, activate this body. With Bissell, demonic as Professor Frankenstein, who creates out of human parts the most terrifying creature to walk the earth today. Destroy you was dangerous evidence. 
Okay, and we are back. Uh, hope you had a good break there. And let's get right into our next review, our final review, and that is I Was a Teenage Frankenstein. This was the cash grab of the uh, AIP pictures. Once they were astounded by how much money uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf made, they hopped right in uh, to production on making this joint here. So this was released in 1957, uh, as unrated. Uh, has a runtime of one hour 14 minutes considered horror slash sci-fi uh this was released on november 23rd 1957 in the united states the director herbert strock uh the writers once again herman cohen and abin candle a-b-e-n sorry i probably butchered that Okay, and out of the cast, we have the returning Whit Bissell as Professor Frankenstein. This is the only guy returning from uh, the previous film, uh, Teenage Werewolf. We got Phyllis, how do you say her last name, Coates? Coates. Yeah, figured. Uh, as Margaret. We got Robert Burton as Dr. Carlton. Gary Conway as Bob slash the Teenage Monster. George Lynn as Sergeant Burns. John Cliff as Sergeant McAfee. We got Claudia Byler as Arlene's mother. We got Russ Whitman as Dr. Elwood. Uh, that's really that's really it. This is a much lighter cast. Uh, so let's get it. Oh, it holds a 5.2 out of 10 star review with just, wow, that's a little bit of reviews there. Only about 650 reviews. So who is going to handle the synopsis for this one? I think Vince said he wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> holy crap <laughs> dude our brains don't work with this one i'm just kidding i'll do it I'm i can try it. The one <laughs> but yeah, i gotta hear this let's go okay it me how, how about how about this you say a word and then i say a word. <laughs> oh, oh, ready do it schlock whatever um we got whip bissell again all right he's playing another uh mad scientist type um, this is actually the fourth time that I've seen Whit Bissell in like just past two weeks. I saw him. He was he's in had... Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He's yep. the yep. psychologist. He's got three hundred some acting credits. Yeah, and then I was watching uh, The Trouble with Tribbles, one of the Star Trek episodes, uh, original series yeah. with my kids. Um, did you just know, like last week, he was in that, and now he's popped up twice here. His, his biggest claim to fame is that he invented the Bissell vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and apparently he, he was that. he was proper sounding enough to somehow pass as a Brit in this film. Um, he sounds nothing like a Brit. Um, <laughs> it's most American Brit I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, he yeah, I'm trying to even remember this film now. Um, he uh, <laughs> he he decides he wants to. Oh, that's right. He's he is a Frankenstein. All right, his ancestor was the original Frankenstein. Yeah. You know, so uh, he wants to not create a monster, but try to create like a perfect specimen. And he wants to use teenage parts in order to do this. I guess, you yep. know, their athletic ability and everything. Uh, and luckily for him, um, right after <laughs> right he outside this, there is a car crash <laughs> right outside of his house um, in which a bunch of teenagers die. Um, he's lucky enough to meet a guy who describes it all and who says, I think I saw a body flying over there. Um, so Perfection. they go and grab it. Yeah, they, they carry him in without anybody seeing this. Uh, <laughs> even in the last movie, Tony couldn't kill a girl without being caught right away. I know, uh, right? Everybody, the entire town seeing him. 
um, they can take a body from a crime scene, from a crash scene. Everybody misses out. it. Right. Yeah. And nobody even notices that this thing is missing, this kid. Um, so but if he was wearing a Letterman's jacket. Right. <laughs> he, he what happened to, to Tommy? <laughs> he, uh, he talks this, I guess he was like a physicist or something like that into assisting him. He ends up creating this, uh, this Frankenstein monster. Uh, teenager, I don't know. Um, and he looks like he's like a perfect male specimen from the neck down. And his face looks like a paper mache mask. And, that's, that's it. Yeah. And, and pretty much, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to, I mean, we're going to spoil it as we talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, things, the, the scientist is evil and he ends up pretty much talking this, this new creation of his into committing crimes um, until things turn around turn against him. And he gets to, you know, I will just throw in one more thing about this description. Um, alligator pit, because that was the best part about it. Thank God for that thing. Yes. Uh, Then you handled that very well. Oh, thank you. That's not easy to get a vacuum cleaner. I just want Whip Bissell to be happy. That's all. It it would have been better if the alligators had freaking laser beams on their heads, though, really. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. All right, guys. Let's play the trailer. Hit it, Alice. Roll I'm it. a teenage Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, we gotta throw. We gotta throw that in there. We got to. Uh, I was already thinking about that. There we and go. Also, uh, the cramps. Uh, yes, that's gonna be the ending song. Too. Yeah. Yes. Sweet, sweet. All right. Uh, okay. First impressions, and I will start off. Uh, I already said my first impressions on my last one that this was on a, a bootleg VHS when I was younger. I did watch it. Uh, that once I always stuck with the first though. Uh, I never really dug this movie. I was looking for teenagers and there was no teenagers. So I never really connected with it when I was younger. So, uh, that was my first impression. So, uh, Susan, how about you? Um, I had never seen this until this viewing and, um, I, I I was, uh, (laughs) I would, I, overall I was less than moved. Um, and mildly amused. <laughs> right. So, yeah, this was a first-time watch for me. So. Cool. All righty. Uh, let's get Creepy Keith in. I was just going to say, I feel the same as Susan. Uh, first-time <laughs> watch, very amused. Very amused, yeah. I think yes. we're going to hear that. We're going to be doing a lot of laughing here. All right. Uh, my, uh, my favorite line was when he said something about uh, when he was talking to the, his assistant he he thought he was just going to be writing a book for research, and he was you know involved in this whole. Yeah, know. I don't know where. That's right. That's right. All right, let's get Mr. Venom in. First impressions. Um, yeah, this was definitely a first time watch for me. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say that despite the story in this one being much much worse than the first one i gotta say the technical aspects on this one are a lot better even though these movies are only separated by about six months they both came out in 1957 the editing in this one is a little bit better um the lighting is much better as i mentioned in the previous review the nighttime scenes in teenage frankenstein are actually shot at night which gives it a nice aesthetic uh it also makes for you know being able to light the scene a little bit nicer so that you can see everything um the soundtrack is still you know not great by any stretch it's fairly basic for a 50s creature feature they all sound the same don't they yeah a little bit yeah yeah 
if it wasn't for Vic's awful song at the party in the first movie, uh, they would almost be identical. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably you know, I probably agree with everybody. This this movie is definitely more about its comedy factor. It's really, really hard to take uh, too much of this seriously. Um, at, you know, within the first couple of minutes, I was kind of a little I was kind of happy that they were doing a modern Frankenstein movie or a modern Frankenstein story still within the family. Um, uh, this uh, this guy was a descendant of Baron Frankenstein, not Victor Frankenstein, That's but right. Baron Frankenstein. And um, uh, you know, it, a Frankenstein. Excuse <laughs> Frankenstein. No Igor though, so that's disappointing. No, no. <laughs> and um, I just got to say, this movie has one of the worst wedding proposals I've ever heard in my life. Is it even a wedding? Yeah. <laughs> so bad, isn't it? It's it's the basic Go gist buy of your the, own damn ring. <laughs> the basic gist of his proposal is, will you marry me and be my secretary? Yeah, that's it, man. That's oh, it. And that's slap. Oh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, the loudest that. slap in oh, cinema history. Oh. So bad. All right. But, uh, yeah, the comedy factor is definitely there, but you know the horror factor is not nearly as uh, prevalent as in Teenage Werewolf. So, yeah, that that's first impressions. Okay, uh, how about you, Mark? First impressions. Uh, had never heard of this movie. Never had seen it. Thank God it was on YouTube and I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> um, I, I would say this. First impression, this could have been a decent movie. If they, yeah, if they handled it. could have been. The story. <laughs> because I was interested to see where it went because I knew that this uh you know teenage frankenstein was supposed to go on a killing spree what i know man what he he, he girl's brushing her hair he busts through the window and basically throws her down on the couch and then she's supposed to be dead Dead, yeah he covers her nose for like two seconds her. um <laughs> but i i thought that uh you know it, it, it was holding my attention but i was waiting for something bigger to happen yeah i was waiting for never, something like the first did. movie like the, yeah, you yeah. know like something similar yeah and i i wasn't even um very disappointed with the uh the mask i, I thought it was like you know it was goofy oh it, i it hate that mask. but it wasn't that bad was uh, it i mean i guess it was oh it's bad bad Thank God they taped underneath it instead of the stitches. It's it's <laughs> I know what you mean, dude, but the eye in it just kills me. That whatever the hell that eye is on Protruding it. eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um uh, Vin, first impressions, man. Oh boy. Yeah, I had never seen this before. Oh, um I had seen uh I had seen pictures of the creature's face before. And I had always assumed like, yeah, it's gotta look better in the movie then you know whatever whatever image i'm seeing i'm like no it, it really just looked like paper mache that was about it um yeah. and yeah this is again not a good movie um you know jerry mentioned that the lighting is better uh but it is so flatly directed i felt like i was watching it, it actually felt like one of like the the poverty row pictures from 1940s you know if you're watching the old like bell lugosi ones the, like oh, those yeah. really no budget films Vampire that's what it, it, i felt like i was watching one of those except it was just higher production you know, 1950s lighting. They had gotten flat lighting down better. You could tell <laughs> you they know, made money point. on the werewolf movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely a perfect fodder for, like, some MST3K style heckling. It's yeah, perfect, I think man. That, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it, I think if I was if I was with a bunch of friends and having some beers and watching it, I would have been had a blast. 
Um, but I watched it kind of alone. Um, that was a little more depressing than yeah, bore fest. But uh, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned. Who, it's funny that you mentioned watch mystery this science with you. Hmm. Huh? I couldn't hear. <laughs> I said number one. Who's gonna watch this with you? Now go ahead, uh, Gary. I don't <laughs> think I was saying I that. I was talking to him. <laughs> I was saying that Vin, Vin uh, <laughs> mentioned uh, Mystery Science Theater. Mystery Science Theater actually did cover I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Werewolf, but they did yep. not cover this one. I uh, know. I really wish season. they did the double feature, man. That would have been great. But yeah, if anybody's interested, it's season eight, episode nine. And uh, it's Mystery great. Science. And this it is, is actually a, way more deserving than it is Teenage Werewolf is. Yeah, it's it's such a good MS. I I just love that show, especially yeah. the older ones. Um, okay, guys, where the hell do we start with this? The credits, the end credits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, I didn't even take notes. Yeah, on this one, it's I took so extensive dumb. notes on the uh, the werewolf one, and this one I was just like, My, uh, your brain sure wasn't working. Yeah, not sure yeah. what I'm supposed to be writing down because. Mm. I know that you guys had said that there was a lot of comedy in this. I didn't find it amusing at Not all. Not intentional. Oh, well, I don't you know. Yeah, I didn't probably. say no, that. No, no but <laughs> I didn't sure. find it even unintentionally funny. The only – I found it, like, lazy, Just like, in its, in its writing. Um, like, I think the first movie we talked about, The Werewolf, I think there was a lot of almost, like, an intentional, like, kind of goofy humor. Yeah. Like, jabs, yeah. 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 Teenage. Uh, this, that whole, the whole scene with the car crash. Oh God. Like, like where they're talking about what he's gonna do, and then there just so happens to be you hear the teenagers in a head-on right <laughs> and they're running out the door, and they've got to put on their suit jackets as <laughs> they're running. To go steal a body. <laughs> but uh, you didn't find the witness to the car accident comical? I thought oh, he was, it was hilarious. Yeah. I didn't think <laughs> yeah, it was. That was funny. I thought it was just like a big exposition dump. Like, yeah, that's probably what's funny about stu- All the information you need to know, I'm yep. going to tell you right now. That's why it's funny um, to me. Well, and like, I didn't and like, find wait, it amusing wait. at all. But what about like when the when the couple is in the car making out and him and the mad scientist are going to run up to, to kill the guy to take its face and she sees his face and he – I mean – I don't know. I mean, it was stupid funny. It was Mark, stupid funny. Right. His paper mache eyeball was yeah. so close to being completely detached that we have to question why it was even there. So you have to laugh at some point. Mark, yeah. You obviously did not hear me the first time I said it. Alligator pit. Yeah. That, that, that crap is hilarious, part. man. That, that is funny. so funny. And I, and I like the, the, the little um, window or whatever that went up that slid up. The secret panel. To the, yeah. 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 Was, secret panel. <laughs> that thing ate question, really well. Question. Uh, th- today was the first time I ever watched this. At the very end, does it go to color? Yes. Yeah, yes. I'll yeah. tell you why. I was going to yep. say that. Yeah. Why? Because it goes the to electricity. Color. No, right? it goes to color. <laughs> so that, that, this is not a joke, guys. It goes to color in the last minute or whatever, two minutes, because AIP thought that when all these people left the theater or drive-in, that they would remember it as being a colored movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> it just adds that much worse aspects to it. Like, wh- uh, what? But no other reason? That's the reason. That's why. You know how, You know where I found this out? Good old Joe Dante, you know, such a great genre director, Gremlin. You know, you go on and on, yeah. the birds. Um, 
Trailers from Hell. He does a bunch of trailers from Hell where he reviews trailers and talks about movies from his childhood. And he put it best. This is a stinker. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Even I, for Joe Dante to call it a stinker, and that's he loves these movies. But uh, you know what? It freaking works. Yeah. It, and yeah. Because, because when I saw it, I was like, has this whole movie been in color? <laughs> <laughs> and I like scrubbed back and yeah, I was like, hey, nope, that's because nope, it, definitely that's not. It was uh, boring and you forgot that you were even watching it in the first place. I know, but, but, but See, they didn't that. have YouTube back was, then. They yeah, couldn't do that. I was that. on YouTube and scrubbed back. <laughs> I guarantee you the people that love to drive in were like, I just saw a colored movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, what a oh, wacky idea, man. Gosh. You guys, what, a, what about... What about when she goes in and she pulls open the drawer and he just sits up a la Michael Myers, 1970, and he can talk and he can talk. He's not Michael Myers. He can talk. He does the same thing. He just sits up like Michael Myers and then lays right back down and she just yep. screams her head off and runs out. I'm I like, tell you what, though. Yeah, you nailed it. I actually have that same thing written down. I'll send you a screenshot. The Michael Myers <laughs> setup. I'm not kidding. But um, AIP was the absolute best. They must have searched the country for the loudest screamers. Because <laughs> you want to plug your ears every time. Even in Werewolf, you guys have to know what I'm talking about. They are the absolute most blood-curdling screams. So it didn't matter if you can act clearly. Uh, just as long as you could give a great scream, you were in an AIP film. Phyllis had a set of pipes on her. <laughs> oh, brutal, man. <laughs> brutal. Um, and the cone boobs. Yeah, those cone but, boobs um... come back a lot. <laughs> but I did like, uh, let me all... say, I did like, I, we, were, we were nagging on the mask. I did like that creepy mummy-looking rap originally. I yeah, did like that. it would have been I better to leave worked. it like that, actually. Yes. I thought that was really, really cool, especially for back then. Um, you know, then they take it off. You're supposed to get worse-looking and frightening, but it's... It's it, looked a paper like, it looked like a seven-year-old's art project interpretation oh, okay. of Jason Voorhees without a mask. Yes. I'll go yes. with that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. That's where I'm at with that. <laughs> yeah, there it is, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> is that an artist rendition? <laughs> it was in a or gallery. Just, just, no, that's him. It's the mask company, Trick or Treat. Oh, my. Mask or whatever. I don't they think they would waste their efforts on trying to release something better than okay. the wait, original. Wait, wait, wait. You guys had to say Trick or Treat Studios. Who has already pre-ordered the Michael Myers mask from the new Halloween movie? <coughs> I have. Oh, take a yes. guess. I did. <laughs> yes. Did you? Yeah. Did. Yeah. Um, Bunch of stinks. But anyway, yeah, that's funny that you you thought the same as the Michael Myers yeah, setup. I did. That, that I was did. the big jump scare there. I, I don't know if that worked. Um, and, and Whit Bissell, man. Yeah. Mister Mister. Uh, whatever I play, all I play is uh, evil doctors and. And whatever. Um, he was such an ass. Well, I that's was, the thing. <laughs> that uh, first of all, this is our main guy. We're we're root. We're would have just punched his lights out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, How are you, you know, supposed what, who, to, as a viewer, watch you? this? Yeah, there always uh, there's always supposed to be some small element of empathy feel. that you can give to that character right. some small yeah. tiny ounce of empathy even if it's just that he's doing something out of desperation or whatever that you can kind of uh, identify with a right. small small percent or else all you do is hate the entire way through the movie which is what mm -hmm. i did and i have in my notes that he was evil and a real snake right and, no because yeah if, if he if that but, was like his his own teenager that died in the car crash or something 
and you know just from the sadness uh just to make us feel as viewers you know that's his own kid that died he's a scientist he's gonna bring his try you know the, the monkey's pie he's gonna try and bring his kid back to life right. but through science that would have worked a little bit more yeah. but you just hate this guy yeah, you can't is, stand this, this he's such kind of, an ass this is kind and of you think there we... for a second you think there for a second that he feels bad about how he's been treating his fiance. Nope. Nope. And nope. then he's like, and let's kill her. Yeah. And then he goes <laughs> downstairs she, and he's plotting she made the and key. I'm like, I'm like, this guy really, really has a problem. Yeah, why would he, I, one of the bigger questions I had is why would he still buy her that ring knowing that he was going to kill her? He spent That's money for nothing. That's how big of an ass he was. <laughs> yeah, he was maybe he I thought mean, it was like evidence. Thing. How? How does this guy think that he would ever be able to find another woman that would be okay with him creating zombie Frankenstein mm-hmm. type, bringing back the dead, quote unquote, monsters in the basement? He finally finds the one chick that's like, honey, I don't care. I love you. And he's like, yeah, let's kill her. Really? Okay. Yeah, it made no sense. I, well, no. what I wanted. It made, it, you know what it would have been what, very good is if he would have accepted her. That's and what I was just going to say. kills her anyway. Yes. 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 And, and I wanted to see the monster him. and her get together. I don't know. Yeah. If like, oh my gosh. Shape and of nine water. Later, the monster baby comes out with a paper mache head. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> the sequel. That was a baby Frankenstein. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I always I was hoping that when she went down there, that the monster took to her because he was never showing that monster love. He was making broken promises, but she's even saying, "I'm your friend." Blah blah blah. But it, it, these writers are just now nah, they kill him. They kill yeah, her yeah. anyway. It's like, come on, think, man, think no. about it. <laughs> I didn't think it made sense that after um, she made that joke about, oh, I have my ways of finding out, and then she gets slapped in the face, <laughs> that, she still, that she still admits that she got a key made from a mold to break into the lab. It's like, what did you think his reaction would be? You, yeah, you've already you been slapped just for making edge. a joke. Yeah, exactly. exactly. just said, right. he left the door open, honey. Exactly. <laughs> That's what she should have said. So I, I don't. Made, yeah, it made sense that he just went right to killing her. If he slapped her that hard for just yeah. referencing finding out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I knew Smarty Pants. You said homemade key of yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <exactly. laughs> I'm telling you, that was the slap. I was, uh, I was like, man, don't you even. Yep. And then she forgave him like within 30 seconds. I know. Oh. Yeah. Not a good look. Not a good I look. I would have punched him in the wiener. Yeah, he wouldn't have one. The alligator would have been Frank fed a little bit more. She didn't know about the alligator. Put him in pants first, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd have fed his phallical. Well, guys, let's talk about. The, the, oh my what God. I think podcast was, takes another turn. <laughs> yeah. I gotta I just fed his phallical piece to the Frank alligator. Wiener. Yeah, I'm moving Yikes. away from that. When the monster finally gets out. And and is hitting the night for the you know hitting the town, um, and he sees this another beautiful uh, blonde through the window. He does his good old Frankenstein smash through the window. Was that not the history's weakest kill? Oh, yeah, oh absolutely. He gently lays her down on a couch and she's dead. Yep. Gently lays yep. her like, down. Like nice and soft, make sure she doesn't slam herself. Gently lays her down, and then we hear he murdered her. Yes. Yeah. And what was the and mentality then, of him going out the front door when he could have just gone out the window? Yeah, he he's already broke. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there. It's yeah. like two feet away. No, nope, I'm going out the front door so that there's 30 Dude. witnesses. 
that yep. yeah you're right that kill though like i can't stop laughing thinking about that it was how so bad, bad. You know, yeah, it was he, it was rough he cuddled her to rough. bed like it's like he was saying go ahead go to bed honey she he killed <laughs> her what do you Why mean is killed? that 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 in 1940s and 50s movies you have frankenstein and and, and werewolves and 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 their method of killing is always choking. Choking. No weapons. Yeah. That's probably all you've they got, have. I think the rating. Fangs, you've got major strength. I mean, come on. Do we need to do the choking? <laughs> I, no, I I agree, and that's what always happens. It always happens. But that that was like, oh. That's like Freddy Krueger. A pillow could have killed her. That's like Freddy Krueger, just you know, coming in with finger knives and then deciding to choke you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it make no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed that this movie kind of started out as a clone of like every other Frankenstein movie. Right. But, right. but then we never get the "it's alive" scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we that was disappointing. Get, we get like this cool like B movie makeshift uh, Frankenstein's lab slash morgue, which I thought was a cool idea. But I did notice how cheap they you know they didn't have tons of money to make the. The background, because one of the systems that they use is just a clock with a couple of lights blinking in it. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's hilarious. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it, was pretty, it was pretty bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Well, I mean, I had mentioned earlier that, you know, the Universal didn't start releasing its films to television until, you know, pretty, you know, a couple months after I was a teenage werewolf. So I wonder how much of those, how much of those films was really in, like, the recent memory of these filmmakers. You know, right. like how much how much of these filmmakers who are making these films on dirt cheap? How much how much of the original films in the 1930s did they really know? I don't know if they were like showing them very often. You know, I mean, they used yeah, to have they like, Dracula, yet, right? Frankenstein, a double bill like throughout the 1930s and stuff like that. But by the 1950s, I, they probably weren't showing them that often until they mm-hmm. appeared on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I find that amazing because you would think that these were made because of the crave. The, the crazy um, universal, you know, reintroduction that everybody's watching. Um, but come yeah, to find but like out, with, they're made before it. Yeah, with Teenage Werewolf, it's actually something like, you know, I, I don't... This is made as a result of Teenage Werewolf. And Teenage Werewolf was really not quite made because of the universal films, it seems. You know, it's it's kind of its own thing. It was more of a, mm-hmm. you know, a marketing formula, I guess. Um, but, you know, you guys were talking a little bit about, uh, about the Doctor. I think that, you know, he is... It's this is once again a teen perspective on adults, you know, like he is completely unsympathetic and mm-hmm. he's happy with his creation while the creation is obedient. Yeah, but then yeah. when he starts showing the teenage rebellion, that's when the doctor, you know, he basically becomes an abusive parent. And just like when it, his yeah. fiance is disobedient. That's when he's abusive to her and decides that she needs to go. So I think he's basically whoever he's only. Um, willing to suffer the, you know, the presence of those people who will obey him, um, mm-hmm. and I think so. This is kind of a little bit of a a teen rebel, you know, teen rebel narrative. You know, this. You were, I think we're supposed to feel sorry for this teen Frankenstein creature. I don't think we ever really get enough time with him to really get that point. But I think that I think that was the intention. Right. Yeah, they don't really yell about it. He yells about it too. I must control what I create. Yep. <laughs> that? I mean, the guy wasn't even like. There was no argument, and he just screams at him. So. And they could have did a lot more, too, because the monster was uh, very smart in this, just like a normal person in, within a few hours. Story-wise, it was dumb how he went from not learning how to talk to being completely normal, but they could have done a lot more 
that he was so smart and normal just had this monstrous face. They could have did so much more. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was waiting for him to throw a little girl in a river, and I never got that. No, <laughs> they didn't bring that. They didn't bring that. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, they didn't make any effort whatsoever to make this monster sympathetic the way they did a teenage werewolf. You know, I mean, there was there was a there was a conceited effort to make him a sympathetic character, whereas here it's just we're supposed to feel bad for him because he's a teenager who died in a car accident. And that's just not enough. And and, yeah, very good point. And another thing is you watch I was Teenage Werewolf, it's all about the culture of the teenager, and it's filled with teenagers for most of the movie. So you would think the direct sequel, we're going to get that same type of feel, uh, same type of settings, same type of story. You, you have one teenager in this, and, yeah. I mean, and we don't Tony, get anything. Tony was an outsider, but he was still an insider with teen culture. Yeah, he was a 50s, you know, right. This Frankenstein monster, he's an outsider even from teen culture. Yes. The only teen culture we see is we know that they die in car crashes. And we know that they neck in cars. We, we're seeing car culture <laughs> yeah. here. Um, that's about all that we know about teenagers. And so, yeah, you're and, right, you know. man. Yeah, yeah that, that sucks. Uh, I don't know. It just it bothers me. They could have done a lot with this film. They could have copy and pasted the first movie, and I would have enjoyed this. Yeah. Well, this was this was um, this was a double feature with Blood of Dracula, which was that the that female one, vampire yeah. film, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess the producer Herman Cohen, he said that the two films were written and put in front of the cameras in only four weeks, and he yeah, said, "quote So I had to really, really cut down end quote in terms of production values. So basically, I mean, they were under the gun; they had no money, and they were just trying to get these things out before Thanksgiving." Wow. It was a cat. You, know, you, you, yeah, you said yeah. you called it that before, Walshy, when. Yeah, it just fails, man. Uh, it, but I did. But I have to say, I did get my laughs. I know Mark didn't, but I did get my laughs, my unintentional laughs through it. So yeah. that's about it. I mean, the final laugh was just that their plan of how they were going to get the monster to England. I, I laughed right. at my entire yeah. explanation. I'm like, really? I'm like, come on. Well, wow. This movie does give us some gore. We get a you little know. bit. Yeah, we get a well, little bit. You see a severed hand due to the leg. That. That's that's not bad for 50s. But no, you're right. You're right. Not enough for the rest yeah. of the film. Yeah, and how about how perfectly the face fit? Oh, yeah. man. No, no swelling at all. Just perfect. Absolutely. A little stitch, a couple perfectly. stitches under the chin, and he was a good-looking dude again. Yeah, somehow <laughs> the eye shrank, shrank back down into its socket. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> and, you know, I thought that uh, there was going to be, like, something... Like along the lines of you know how he was obsessed with his look, yeah. That they were gonna do something there, like he was getting vain or something, and I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but they just could have done so much more. Yep. And there was just nothing. The yeah. big thing that the big question I have with the ending is, did he commit suicide or did he accidentally electrocute himself? I think it's supposed I to took be it as suicide. Oh, you I, think so? Yeah, I, I understand that he looked before he actually hit the wall. He looked at the wall to make sure that his uh, the little metal shackles actually hit the right contact points. But how okay. would he know that? How, yeah, would, how yeah. would that monster know that that's how electricity works? He throws himself so lightly against the wall yeah. that I wasn't quite sure if. And that yeah. that horrible effect. I, I don't know what oh, the hell hey, the effect uh, was. Yeah, no, I took it as. Uh, I took it as either one of two things. It was intentional suicide or he was trying to power up more through the electricity. Ah. So I don't know. I don't know. So uh, any of us could be right there. Who knows? 
Oh yeah. But yeah. guys, it's 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 a stinker. it's a stinker yeah but you know what i kind of wish we did do i kind of wish we did throw the third movie in which they did end up making which was such a brilliant idea it was scream before scream a new nightmare before that um it's called uh how we how to make a monster and it's Mm -hmm. the exact actor that played um the teenage frankenstein and michael landon that played the teenage werewolf and i don't think landon was in it Yes, Landon he was looked, in it. He, he was the werewolf. He was the werewolf. Okay, I thought it was somebody else in that one. No, it says right on the uh, on the IMDb that they got the directors back, the actors back. Maybe it isn't, but whatever. Uh, the two monsters. Nope. I uh, heard something Conway that Michael Landon's and... friends were actually making fun of him for making the first movie. Really, Gary Conway and Gary Clark was teenage werewolf. Oh, okay, okay, so it wasn't okay. But they brought the yeah. monsters back. She was friends with like Natalie Wood and stuff like that and they kind of I'm made glad fun you of picked that. Right, I'm glad movie. you picked that out. Yeah. But that I don't know if you guys ever saw that. That that's a lot better movie than this. Mm-hmm. And it's small it's a smart thing. Makeup guy, a makeup, you know, artist wants to get revenge on some people, so he at his movie studio, he actually makes the monsters and has them go out and kill people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it looks like um the posters half and half of their face. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like uh, the teenage Frankenstein guys wearing the same tight T-shirt in that movie as he's wearing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. He is. <laughs> that T-shirt. I'm sure he is. Yeah, but that's if you want to kind of go through the trilogy there. Uh, what do you guys say? Any any last points you want to make? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. We I'm glad. I'm completely... glad the alligator got one last good meal. I was Were we not waiting for that the whole damn movie for that guy oh, to go yeah. in that pit? Oh, you knew exactly <laughs> what was going to happen in this movie. You knew it. Yeah, and you yeah. still couldn't wait. All right, guys, let's rate this stock thing. footage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's rate this thing. Um, I, I'll come in. I'll come in first. And I am giving this a 4.5 out of 10. And... I did get my laughs. It is a movie I will watch again one day. It might be in the next thirty years. I don't know. Um, it's not a good movie. It's it's a it's a fun movie if you love your B monster movies to see how bad a movie could be made. That's that's really all I could say about it. So four point five out of ten, and I would not buy this. You can anyway, but I I wouldn't buy it. Uh, okay, let's bring in Vin. What's your score, brother? Oh, man. I say, you know, come for the schlock and stay for the alligator pit. Um, but really, this this feels more rush and less developed than Werewolf. Um, it's heavily talky. It's flatly directed, and it certainly drags more. Um, there are certain fun scenes, but they're really kind of stuck within this amber of dull mediocrity the entire time. Yep. Um, so, you know, if you want 50s trash, again, I don't mean that's a bad, bad thing. You can check it out. Um, otherwise, if you want to see a Frankenstein film from the 50s, it's a lot better. Check out the Hammer films of the era. Um, they're oh, much they're more amazing. serious and impressive take. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm at 4.5. I think that this is, you know, again, this is if you if you want to if you want to have fun and laugh at something, you could you could use this. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's why it's not an entire void for me. Um, it does have some humorous qualities to me. Very good. So 4.5. Awesome. OK, Creepy Keith, what's your score, brother? I have two scores for this movie. Uh, a four, if you look at it as a horror movie. Uh, a nine as a comedy. Thank you. <laughs> so you saw good... the humor that Mark didn't. Uh, right. I saw no humor. It's a good way to look at it. <clears throat> All right. Awesome. 
Uh, let's get Markin. Yeah, uh, just say no. <laughs> just say no. Uh, this is not even worth watching on um, on YouTube for free. Seriously, uh, I'd, I'd give it a two out of ten, and that's really only for uh, <laughs> you know. I don't even know what it's for. Is that lower <laughs> than Muck? No. Okay. No. no. Muck got like zero. Muck got zero. <laughs> zero or point five uh, or one of that. That keeps coming back. And a Muck. All right. Uh, no, not a golden Muck. Not a golden Muck. Gotcha, dude. Okay, horror gal, what's your score? Okay, well, look, it, it, my generosity, I was going to give it a four, um, but then that gator came in, and I I gave it a five only only for the gator, the only for the gator. Bad. So the my actual rating would be four, and I feel like I'm being generous in that because this movie is one of the few that I had a hard time even paying attention, honestly. Um, but, uh, but that gator, I would just tell somebody, you know, pull it up on YouTube, fast forward to the very end. And there's your, there's your five. So, there you, go. <laughs> you know, you are, you are correct. Gator is worth something. Two and a half. <laughs> tagline, for, tagline for this movie should have been, I gator my heart. <laughs> oh no. All right. Mr. Venom. Finish this. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be generous, just like Horror Gal with my score, but for different reasons. Uh, I'm also gonna give this a 5 out of 10. Um, it, it is a much worse movie than Teenage Werewolf as far as storytelling and acting and everything else, but as I've already said, the technical uh, prowess of this movie is, is just... a that much better and especially after watching them today back to back like i did it really drives home the fact that teenage frankenstein is a, is a better shot movie it's a better edited film uh i know that's not exactly what we're looking for when we're watching you know 50s creature features but i'm still going to give it its credit where credit is due um terrible story terrible acting terrible anything that ha doesn't have anything to do with the technical aspects of this movie are pretty much terrible. So Can I just ask something real quick, Jerry? Absolutely. With that, the fact that... Did you watch them both on YouTube? I did. Yeah, me too. I, I'm wondering if, if it also has to do with the transfers. And that, well, that that's actually yeah. in my notes, too. Okay, I, is this, yeah. Is this just a better transfer, or is this, you know, were they using a higher quality film stock? Right, yeah. Um, I, you know, I wasn't sure. Will so. a lot more outdoor photography, too, so I'm exactly. wondering. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll like I said, I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll be generous yeah. with my score just based on what I saw today, watching them back-to-back -back on YouTube. But that's there really the best thing I can say about it. Very good. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for our reviews. We're running a little late here, so let's get our plugs in. Uh, Creepy Keith, where can we find you? Well, I just uh, have a new podcast called Just Another 90s Cast, all 90s themed. Uh, and we just did our first episode for that, so you can check that out on Podomatic. And uh, thank you for checking it out. Uh, and you're going to invite your buddy Walshy on that one, right? Definitely. Anybody's welcome to come along. With, trust me, I need all the people I can get. Yeah, dude, 90s, I'm in. All right. It doesn't yeah, get me the love too. It if you need somebody for 90s, I can help you out there. Let's yeah. do it. Both of you on the next episode. <laughs> I'm still in. Yeah. I'm still in the 90s in a lot of ways. I'd love to hit some 90s stuff. All right, brother. All right. Awesome. Um, Mr. Venom, where can we find you? 
Oh boy. Okay, here we go. Um, uh, you can obviously hear myself and Mark Nato on uh, Rad Radio, the All Eighties Podcast, which is also back from a hiatus. Yay. Um, uh, you can hear me on the Theme Warriors podcast, which is a monthly podcast where we discuss four movies based around the same theme or, you know, shooting uh, technique or whatever the case may be. On the last episode, we looked at movies starring siblings, which is why I remembered Dave Franco, because my selection for that episode was The Disaster Artist. Um, you can also hear me on some of my new podcasts. Um, one of them is a Japanese monsters uh, kaiju podcast. It's a long title, so bear with me. The title of this one is Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Presents Visions from Monsterland. Uh, that's a podcast that I do with Donna Nelly from the Horror Mafia podcast, Derek B. from Cinema Attack, and Jerry Herring from Kill the Cast. Uh, we only we're up to our fourth episode on that one. On the latest episode, we talk about uh, 2000s Godzilla versus Megaguirus. And we also on every episode uh, discuss one episode of Ultraman, the original Ultraman series from the 1960s. Uh, we're talking about those chronologically, of course. So on episode four of Underwater Kaiju, we discuss episode four of Ultraman. Duh. Um, let's see. Uh, you can also hear myself and Mike Merriman on Evil Episodes Presents Just the Movies. Now, uh, for the horror cast listeners who are familiar with uh, what Mark Nato and I do on the horror cast guttural reaction, it's kind of the same thing where we discuss the newest movies, the newest genre films that are out. But with that one, we go full spoilers. So, you know, we'll start the episode spoiler free just in case anyone hasn't seen it. We'll give you a warning about halfway through when we decide to go into spoilers. And we have guests all over that episode. So if you guys ever catch brand new horror movies, either on streaming, VOD, or in the theater, definitely let us know, because we're always looking for guests on that one. And uh, last but not least is my latest podcast, which actually we will, re we will be recording episode one this Thursday night. Uh, that podcast is called Beneath the Zenith. Um, what that one is, is kind of a conspiracy theory slash um, film uh, discussion where we kind of have a theme for every episode and then we'll discuss either movies or television programs based that, that were based around that theme for episode one we're going to be discussing the phoenix lights i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the phenomenon uh on march 13th 1997 a series of amber lights were seen above the skies of phoenix arizona uh, they were up there. It was up there for like a half hour. So there were over 10,000 witnesses, yet the government has covered it up as best they could. Uh, we, we're also going to be discussing one fictional film that that talks about the Phoenix Lights, not Phoenix Forgotten, because that movie's terrible. <laughs> and uh, we're also going to be discussing a documentary uh, that covers the Phoenix Lights on that episode. And on that podcast, I have Mr. Mr. Bill Cassinelli and Joey Infante from the Horror Mafia podcast. And we also have uh, James uh, James McCarthy or J-Mac uh, from the Slice and Dice Dreadcast. So I, I like I said at the beginning of the show, I've been keeping myself busy with podcasts. And I'm sure much to my wife's chagrin, that's almost all I do lately. <laughs> so, yeah, there's lots of places to catch me. I was just I was just messing you. I was like, you're burning me out just naming them. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah. As of right now, I am officially on six 
uh, regular podcasts. And I <laughs> believe it or not, I'm working on seven and eight. <laughs> yeah, just you love your coffee, I hope, or or some type of caffeine. Well, believe it or not, I have never drank a cup of coffee in my life. I'm one All of right, those. Not. I, no, I'm one of head, those insufferable, head. natural, uh, you know, buzzed guys. You know, I'm high on life. Wow, dude, you're a machine. <laughs> He's like that. Uh, what was that? Was that Tricksters for Kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lucky. Right off yeah. the bat. Hey, you're lucky. You don't need the the, the stimulants. All right. Um, <laughs> Vin, where can we find your brother? <laughs> well, I mean, I've got my uh, my website, RevenueReview.com. Um, Jerry's got eight podcasts. Uh, I can't even find time to write for that though. Um, so anything on there is, is a little bit old at this point, but if you want to check it out, uh, go ahead. Otherwise you could find me on the, uh, Horrorcast Facebook page. Very good. Uh, horror gal, where can we find you? Um, pretty much everywhere. Uh, youtube.com forward slash horror gal, Susan, uh, Instagram, Instagram TV, Twitter, uh, horror amino, Snapchat, Facebook, all horror gal, Susan. Awesome. Oh, and Gmail, yeah, too. What? So every, everything, Instagram, Every TV. all the uh, horror gal Susan everywhere. There I am. Is that, <laughs> what is what is Instagram TV? It just I don't have anything on there yet. I literally just got it yesterday, but it's brand new and it's basically Instagram's answer to um, the YouTube adpocalypse. Yep. So they are um, in which its, is cool. It's it's in its infancy. Obviously, it's only been around I think for maybe a week or two. Um, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just signed up for it like yesterday. So if somebody goes on my Instagram TV, I don't have anything there yet, but I will within the next couple of days. So awesome. Okay. Mark Nato, where can we find you, brother? Uh, just here on the Hardcast and red radio, the all eighties podcast. Uh, you can email me at, uh, what, what is it? Is it the Mark Nato? No, it's uh, <laughs> comeboobies uh, at gmail.com. <laughs> cone boobies. Booby hatch. Booby hatch. Yeah. yeah. Cone booby hatch. There you go. At yahoo.com. No, it's just the Mark Nato at uh, gmail.com. If you want to email me or you can email uh, anybody here on the horrorcast at askthehorrorcast at gmail.com. Uh, our Twitter account is... Uh, is um what is it at, at the h cast i have not twatted in a while oh gosh <laughs> you, uh, you didn't uh, think about that one tweet, <laughs> twitted yeah that's tweeted? better oh that's know. my new favorite word i didn't put that explicit <laughs> warning on the podcast i'm sorry and we also have an instagram uh, at the horror cast. Um, and I, we do not have an Instagram TV and we will see about that. Yes. But, uh, that's it right now. And, uh, yeah. All right. And as for me, you can find me on Facebook on, on the horror cast on the, my exact name, Larry Walsh used to be Walshy, but they won't allow that fake name anymore. So, uh, okay. And I will be putting out, um, a Walshy's collector crypt video. I want to keep, get that going again. Uh, they're fun to do. Uh, so that is it, gang. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. <clears throat> Make sure to go and check out our older episodes as well as our new ones by subscribing to us on iTunes or any other podcast-related app. And to give us a little boost, we ask if you would please give an honest review on iTunes as well. That really helps us. And we will see you next time on the HorrorCast where it is all killer, no filler. 
and please stay scared. nights until the next full moon, but already there have been sightings of these creatures around San Antonio. Yeah, those creatures are teen wolves, and as Ken's Five's Joe Cog reports, they haunt our high schools. 
school's out at John Marshall High, but this could be any school. And with any school come the cliques too. Cheerleaders, nerds, jocks, and goth. But lately, we've tailed another group on and off campus, literally. We're not uh, to be feared. It's not emo and it's not goth. It's, well, more animal than that. Meet members of the Wolf Pack, one of several packs scattered about San Antonio's north side. We're not a gang at all. Like, gangs are posers. They just want attention. That's why they go on tagging stuff. The pack, we're family. Like, we go to each other for our problems. And yes, they sometimes meet under a full moon. That is, if mom and dad let them out of the house. We're here. Yeah. The fascination with werewolves dates back to the 1930s with popular movies starring Lon Chaney Jr. More recently, movies like Van Helsing and the Twilight series have captured the attention of teenagers. They may not be mutating from man to wolf, but counselors warn these teens are experiencing transformations of their own from childhood to adulthood. Young people are looking to define their identities, sometimes to come together and affiliate around a theme or an idea, and just really to, to belong, that sense of belonging. And a sense of belonging is just what this group says they're after. You get friends, you get a place you belong. Yeah, you pretty much are you're accepted to where you are, who you are, what you are. Day Kitten Wolfram Lupus is the unofficial leader of the pack at Brandeis High. He says he's got some wolf in him, howling sometimes to get out. We spotted the tails at a West Side Mall doing what teenagers do. We just hang out here like we're just like another family. Like this is our second home basically. And you couldn't help but notice the eyes and the fangs. It's a style, we're told, and nothing more. We're not trying to be intimidating. We're not trying to be menacing or anything. We're just trying to live our daily lives and just hang out, you know? As teenagers, we just want to have fun. They just kind of look at you weird sometimes at point, and you can tell they're kind of talking about you. But attention they have received. One of the wolf pack, whom many consider the alpha dog, received some international acclaim when a neighbor's dog went missing, only to have its skull found in the possession of one 18-year-old Wolfie Blackheart. It created a firestorm on the internet. It was San Antonio's first glimpse into the world of these transformed teens. Northside officials confirm wolf packs do exist in at least half a dozen schools, with anywhere from 12 to 20 werewolves in each. They walk down the hallways and, and meld into the, the fabric of the school and don't seem to be uh, troublesome in, in the school environment. No. Northside counselors say it's extreme expression. Day says it's something deeper than violating the school's dress code. I don't believe anyone is just human. It's just everyone's got something else mixed in with them. Just they've got to actually look inside themselves and find out what it is. Day's got his own leash he wears, and then there's the kind his mother keeps him tethered to, his family, his chores, his studies. As soon as he walks in the door, he is supposed to take out the things, lose the, the lenses, and put his hair back. Pam Manley says she's proud of her son. They're good kids. And it takes some courage to stand up and be who you want to be and be able to express yourself in this way. If this is the worst that he does in high school, I'm blessed. <laughs> Joe Conger, Ken's Five, Eyewitness News. Well, everybody's got to be part of a group, of course. Northside ISD tells Eyewitness News the Wolfpacks, oh, they aren't a discipline problem any more than the football players or other campus groups are.